Go. Hello. Welcome to the Underappreciated Movie Podcast, where four friends discuss movies that they love, if they can get words out of their mouth. But nobody else does. I'm Elaine. I'm Carly. John. Tony. Each of us has picked a specific movie genre. I have horror and thriller. I have science fiction and fantasy. I have drama and romance. Actionometric. <laughs> we take turns selecting from our movie genre movies that, in our opinions, have not received the respect they deserve. You won't see any of these films on anyone's top ten list, but maybe by listening to our podcast, you can give them a second chance. Today's pick on the podcast is John's pick. 1999's Fight Club. 1999. 1999? Yes, 1999, before the turn of the millennium. When we were still worried about Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, this movie has an 8.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh-huh. A 66% on Metacritic. Uh-huh. It's, um, thermometer is a 79% uh-huh. thermometer and a 96% audience score. Uh-huh. 96? 96. Wow. Does this qualify? Because <laughs> it didn't make any money. <laughs> I think it made, it's one of those movies that became a cult classic. Yeah. It's definitely a cult classic. It, it only made 60% of its uh, production budget back. So, what was the budget? The budget was $63 million and its worldwide gross was 101 But once you factor in everything else, everybody gets their cut, it barely didn't make 60% of its money back. So it was a flop. Womp, womp, womp. But everybody who watched it loved it. Did they? Well, they did. Until <laughs> today. Well, they did have a... I saw a thing where Brad Pitt was talking about him and Norton were so excited about this movie, and they snuck into the back... At, at a cans or something, one of the film festivals, they snuck in the back. We're like, "Watch, man, watch!" And like everyone hated it, and they're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> they fucking ran out. I'm like, oh, okay, whoops. <laughs> that would be awkward. Yeah. So, what do we do? Reviews? Mm-hmm. Nah, I don't want to do reviews. What do you think going in, Carly? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Three episodes in a row, no reviews. Interesting. Um. I've seen this once before when it was newer. I didn't see it in 99. I saw it before 2010, though. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't like it. (laughs) This is the second time you've ever watched it. This is only the second time I've ever watched it. What did you think, Elaine? (laughs) I don't want to watch that again. Riveting. Tony? (laughs) This, This movie was a very, like, it's actually a very important movie to me, like, in growing up and stuff. And I read the book before the movie came out, and then I was like, oh, fuck, they're making a movie out of it. It's going to suck. But the movie's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Even the author says the movie's better than the book. Mm. I feel like a lot of people say this movie. The ending in the book is better. Like, it was really important, important. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. And I like, I like the, how he finds Tyler in the book better than in the... But there's stuff in the movie that you can do that you just can't really do in the book. And that's really cool. But So this was... Well, it was written by Chuck... How, how do you say that? Yeah, him. <laughs> That's the author. Yeah, he's the author of the book. Is this one of the books that we made flowers out of for the wedding? Yeah, actually. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I remember doing a flower and it having mm-hmm. something really weird on it. <laughs> one right there. Just grab it. Stuff about Tyler Durden. The red was just mm-hmm. The red ones were Tony's books. But it was directed by David Fincher, who we all know and love from such magnum opuses as Seven, Zodiac, mm-hmm. Gone Girl. He's really good. Hmm? He's yeah. good. Yeah, he's good. Gone yeah, Girl was upset. And he has something new coming out <laughs> called Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, that's a that's a show. It's a series. It's, it's pretty a good. It's pretty good, actually. I it's, have seen Seven, though. 
but it's uh, animations. Once. Ah. Some of it. Some of it's uh, live action. Starring Brad Pitt. Yeah. Welcome back. How many times From has he been on? Who, um, I don't know. What, I feel like he was on recently. <laughs> yeah, he was on, um, he was that guy in your movie with Sandra Bullock. The Temple of Love or yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah. Lost Island. Yeah. Lost, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't Lost have those City. notes in here. Lost City. That's Lost City. <laughs> Lost City. And he's so also, I feel like I just went over his credits. He's had to be Ocean's nine. Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. Nine Mexican. I mean, he's been. He's, he's fucking Brad Pitt. Interview the Vampire. He's been in tons of our fucking movies. Well, it's fun time in Hollywood. Glorious bastards. He does crap movies. Hmm. I think that might mean that he does a lot of crap movies. Because there's some people that we've never talked about on this podcast because none of their fucking movies qualify. Like Denzel Here's what Washington. I think. Never done a Denzel movie. Brad Pitt, Not yet. I think, doesn't necessarily do crap movies, but he does movies that critics don't love that audiences tend to like. I don't but, know. <laughs> but Brad Pitt got $17 million for this movie. In contrast, the, the next build, Edward Norton, got two point five. Who's also been on the podcast before. Yes, yes. quite a few times. Norton? Yes. yes. Well, he was in Incredible Hulk. Hulk. What else was he in? I don't know. He was in American History X, Primal Fear. I don't know. See, why did I think he was in? That's why I... I don't remember him being in anything else. That's why I write things down. Because I think it's interesting. Because if I don't remember it, it's not important. And sometimes it makes us talk about other people's... um... Did we do The Illusionist yet? No. No. Okay. He's uncredited in Kingdom of Heaven. He played the king of of, uh, Jerusalem. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a really interesting movie, but kind of long. Yeah. They made the, the director's cut just came out. That's so much better. There's a director's cut of that. Yes, it, but it's longer. It's better. Hmm. Like it sews is up it? a lot of the yeah, it sews up a lot of things that didn't make sense or were rushed. It's just God, make it a miniseries next time, would yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was. Oh, he's uncredited in After the Sunset. That's weird. And you haven't done the Italian job yet. No. So I'm saying I don't. Yes. And you didn't know. do the score. So stop naming movies I didn't. Did you do, do Keeping the Faith? No. Well, and we talk about rounders, but we haven't done that. Yeah, we no. did the Italian job, didn't we? No, we, no, we talk about it. Oh. Also no. starring Meatloaf. Mm-hmm. His name is Robert Paulson, who you might recognize from Wayne's World. And just the Paradise by the Dashboard Lights video. <laughs> In the trivia, it said his fat suit was filled with bird seed to make it hang. And it was 100 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's why he's the only one that wears his shirt when in Fight Club. Yeah. To yeah, hide the fat suit. <laughs> um, Zach Ronye, who played the boss, he's been in a lot of stuff. That you're like, oh yeah, I feel that like he's guy. been on the podcast before as different characters um, and small things. N- nothing that stuck out to me. Like he's in, he does a lot of like one shot TV shows, and he's been oh, in a bunch of movies. But TV. he's in a lot of stuff, so. He's He's that guy from that thing. Yeah, working Mm -hmm. actor. And uh, no one else really of note. Helen Bottom Carter, welcome back to the podcast from Sweeney Todd. You wouldn't Mm -hmm. consider her of note? Of note. Jared Leto was in this. I mean, she was in Sweeney Todd and this and what else? Everything else Tim Burton did. Well, that doesn't count. The Harry Potters. (laughs) You can't count that because that was her husband. Yeah. Yeah, but she's still a noteworthy actress. Mm-hmm. She was in all the Harry Potter movies. Not all of them. She was well, in many, most many of, them. of them. Many, many of them. Yeah. <laughs> all right, and the last person I'm going to mention is Jared Leto, who wasn't really a big thing yet. 
No, he was more. He was still more. I mean, he was still riding that group. Jordan Catalano fame from <laughs> so my so-called life. And uh, thirty well, seconds to Mars. Thirty seconds to Mars. That's it. He was still doing that. Um, I would like to mention uh, Holt McCallany. Welcome, Welcome back, back to the podcast from the Losers. He's so great. <laughs> All right. The, uh, if you're a music video fan, Taking Back Sunday did a remake of or. A, whatever you want to call it, of this movie in their video for Cute Minus the E. It was really good. They do a good job of redoing it. Cute Minus the E, so cut? Cut, yeah. There you go. Interesting. <laughs> but yeah, so some people liked the movie, some people didn't like it. And let's get right to it, it's just kind of a long movie. Did I forget anything? Never? Yeah. So the movie starts with an extreme close-up. In the amygdala, which is where fear starts, and then it comes out from where fear starts, all the way out of his head, through the barrel of a gun, down to the sights, and we see the narrator with a gun in his mouth. People keep asking if I know Tyler Durden. Any last words? Huh? I can't think of anything. The narrator explains that the revolution and the bombs have something to do with a girl named Marla Singer. Do they? Yeah, because he's trying to remember how he got here. So then he... Focuses back and he remembers his time when he met Bob. Bob had bitch tits. Mm-hmm. And he's hugging Bob and he's crying. Wait, no, no, let me start further back. For six months he couldn't sleep. Everything was just a copy of a copy of a copy. He wasn't really alive. He wasn't really dead. He was just kind of there. He thinks that when the corporations take over deep space, there's going to be, you know, the IBM Galaxy, Planet Starbucks. I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's either because they keep changing like famous arenas that were named after people Mm -hmm. are now like Comerica Park. The T-Mobile Arena. And Farm Bureau, which is now something different, I think. Every year it's got a different name. And they changed the TED. The TED isn't the TED anymore. They get mad when we call it the amphitheater because they're like, but it has a name. It changes every fucking year. I can't keep track of it. That concert venue down the road. (laughs) Like, and... Like things that were named after yeah, everybody people knows what the Ted is, sports. but they changed the name, <laughs> and it's dumb. And like, it doesn't make me buy your product if you decide that you pay enough money that a college is no longer going to use the name that they've used for the last hundred years. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people who spend a lot of money on advertising. Like, oh, hey, T-Mobile, that's a big name. I need to get a cell phone. We went to the T-Mobile Arena. Let's go to T-Mobile. It happens. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. You don't what? You don't think that's true? Because if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. I don't think that's true. I think the people that were going to get T-Mobile were always going to get T-Mobile because I don't think putting your name on the side of a stadium makes more people or less people aware of you. You were already a big name if you have enough money to buy a stadium. So the narrator's (laughs) boss sends him on the road. And we get to see his apartment. And he's kind of a buy everything from Ikea kind of guy. I feel mm-hmm. like Elaine sees this and goes, I need to have that yin-yang cable. I don't want a yin-yang cable. <laughs> uh, it's just, whatever. And I a, do have a trip to Ikea planned next week. <laughs> There's a... You know a trip to... It's like, what, five minutes from your house? I know. I don't... I pretty much It's like it's two go. hours away. <laughs> I want a bed. They have a bed that I really, really like. I know. I need, a, I need a very long curtain rod, and they're just way cheaper at Ikea mm-hmm. than anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Ikea... Uh, I guess so. So we see the narrator's apartment, and he's got nothing in his fridge, so he's eating condiments with a knife. And we cut to the doctor's office. 
where he says, you can't die from narcolepsy. He's like, are you sure? I doze off. I wake up in strange places. insomnia. Yeah, that's what I say, narcolepsy. And he says, what about narcolepsy? Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can die from narcolepsy. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. the narcolepsy that kills you. It's the falling asleep in some place. Well, it's just like jumming out of a plane didn't kill you. It was a sudden stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, people with insomnia and narcolepsy do die because but of it's that. not because of that. It's a, something else. It's like HIV and AIDS don't kill you. It's what you catch after that that it's kills like you. It's like people. It's like the people that had you know um, stage four cancer that died during COVID, and they're like, no, COVID killed them. No yeah. man. No cancer killed. No them. cancer killed them. They just happened to have COVID. Well, I'm serious as cancer when I tell you that rhythm is a dancer. I anyway. tried to do that to my dad when he was dying. They gave him like three COVID tests, trying to say he was dying of COVID. He's like, I'm not dying of COVID. I don't have COVID. They you have liver cirrhosis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the doctor says, you want to see real pain? Because he says, hey, I mean, give me something. I'm in pain. It's like, chew some Valerian root and get some real natural sleep. He says, you want to see real pain? Go see the guys down at the uh, First Methodist Church, whatever it was. See the guys with testicular cancer. That's real pain. So then we go to the ball cancer group. Mm-hmm. And this is how we bit, met the big moosey. And so they do the whole group therapy thing and they break up in groups and nobody wanted to, to do one-on-ones with Bob. So he was stuck with Bob. Bob used to be a weightlifter, did a bunch of steroids and fucked his mm-hmm. nuts up and then they had to cut his nuts off. And Now he has bitch tits. Now his his estrogen spiked estrogen, and yeah. whatever. So he's, a, he's a mess. Yeah. So then uh, he goes through all that and then just then he says, go ahead. And he looks down at his chest, Cornelius. So each one of these meetings he puts a different name. I think they're all Robert De Niro characters. Sure. <laughs> and finally, the narrator can cry, and he just breaks down. And he starts crying, and he kind of takes his face out of meatloaf shirt, and is just covered in tears and snot. And Bob hugs him. And it's like good job. And he's able to sleep. Mm-hmm. He said, "Babies don't sleep this well. Babies don't sleep well at all." Mm. I don't know where they get that from. Have you ever had a baby? They don't sleep for you. No. Babies don't have babies. Sleep a lot, but in small increments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, just not what. People are age one. <laughs> so now he's hooked. He goes to all kinds I of support like a groups. a teenager who doesn't want to get up for school. Yes. <laughs> one of these, he finds his, a cave, and he finds his power animal. And it's... It's a penguin. It's a penguin. And the penguin <laughs> says, fly. Do you know, in the trivia, it said that the breath effect here from him being in the cold ice cave is the exact same breath effect from Titanic. It's Leonardo... It's Leonardo DiCaprio's breath from Titanic. <laughs> I don't know if that's they, actually Leo's breath. It's the digital breath they used for Leo. They, they didn't they have Leo here, smoke, breathe. For this movie. <laughs> so they took those breath effects and they used the exact same one. So I don't know how they created those breath effects at the beginning. If it's all digital or if it's just they actually put Leo in a fridge. Who knows? <laughs> but those breath effects are the same ones. So if you were to watch, I guess, Titanic in this, you could compare the breath, breath effects. <laughs> and they'll be, ah... Identical. So, Everything is going great for the narrator to finally sleep, he finally at peace, he's getting through life. And then she ruined it. Tourist. This chick, Marla Singer, he had seen her at other meetings. And then suddenly, he felt nothing. He couldn't cry. And if he couldn't cry, he couldn't sleep. Because her lie exposed his lie. Now I have a question. So in the beginning, he talks about how, ty- like, everything's linked to Marla. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he was already Tyler Durden before he met Marla. Before he found Bob's bitch tits of comfort and joy. 
because well, he was already Tyler. been so, yes, but he had already been an insomniac for what he said six months or whatever. <laughs> so Tyler had to have already existed because he didn't remember having all these jobs at this point. <laughs> and during the opening scenes, we see flashes of Tyler a couple times, and like yes. when he's in the hotel. Yeah. And we see a commercial. Tyler Durden is in the commercial. He's building him. Like he, he's around, but he's in the subconscious still. Marla brings him to the to the forefront. I think because he also likes to blame her for things. <laughs> I mean, he's insane. <laughs> like, so, whether it's rational or not, he he assumes it has something to do with her. Because he makes the correlation because nothing ha- this didn't happen until Marla Singer showed up. If Marla had never gone to those meetings, he would have been getting the outlet, and then Tyler would have came to the forefront of his consciousness. Tyler would have slowly faded away. It could have, but Marla being there made it so that he couldn't cry, so then Tyler went from his subconscious to the forefront of his conscience and manifested himself as a real person. Apparently they had trouble with um, Marla Singer, too, uh, when you write a write a book and you have a character that's kind of trashy, you have to kind of make sure nobody else is named that and they looked they looked around for a long time and they're like cool there's no Marla Singers and then there was one there's like one Marla Singer so they had to go talk to her and go hey look <laughs> and she I think she took a small payout or something and she was like, like we'll give you 10 grand care. and it's like yeah. alright cool That's weird. you could have just asked me I'd have been fine with it <laughs> but if it's if it's not a really really common name or something and there's only a few people you have to kind of talk to them about it you can't go this Carly Tuckerman eats babies and you know, chops people up and then Carly's like I don't do that I'd be totally cool with a character being named after me and doing that's, really heinous shit that's weird because there's a fictitious character just because your name happens to be the same it doesn't seem like that should make any difference I, it may be because it's transferred to movie I don't know I think I it has more to do with the movie yeah. part but because it, if it became a hit movie and if, like if it was a horrible character, <laughs> some people that, cannot separate. Well, that's <laughs> but at the end of the movie, they always do that disclaimer anyways to protect themselves, yeah. which I would think. But like, that so doesn't that mean that, that if there was it's, a character with my name and it became a huge movie, people wouldn't hear my name and treat me like shit. It's <laughs> not their fault. The, the big thing is, no, as long as the that. character so who's named after you doesn't matter. remind them of you. Yeah. Like if all of a sudden the character with your name. It was just about like you, but it was like a parody of you. Well, that's clearly you. Yeah. It just happens to have your name. It's no big deal. I'm not talking about Ted Mosby's. That that was clearly based Jed on. Jed Mosley. Yeah, Jed Mosley. But like, if it's completely unrelated, they've never even met you. There's no but way like, that they could know that you existed. I don't feel. I'm just saying that yeah. sounds like but a bunch of lawyers. People are unreasonable. People are no, unreasonable. Yes, that's it like matter. you told me it the shouldn't, chick but it does. Who Welcome to reality. Cersei. People treat her like shit yeah. in real life yeah, because yes. she played a character. The guy yeah, who played the guy who played Joffrey quit acting because he just so, got so much shit. It's not like every Cersei is treated that way. Because people are fucking stupid. Particular actor that. No, it's because people are fucking stupid and yeah, terrible, and I that's know. why. But people can't separate. The guy that played, that kid that played Anakin Skywalker oh, that guy? acting. Yeah, he did. He has terrible emotional problems. And yeah. even, um, what's his name, that played grown-up Darth Vader, he he didn't act for a long time. Well, he no, he was in the time, not the timer, the um, Life as a House. Yeah, that was all so, before. Was that before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He only did a couple things afterwards. He's back now. I mean, he's cashing on that. Uh, but that. there's lots of yeah, things like that. But that's not the same as just coincidentally your name. Had and a that character wasn't movie their fault. Okay, that great. was George I'm, Lucas's fault because he was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they were they're good in other shit. Natalie Portman and what's his name? Skywalker. They're I mean, all they're, good in other shit. They're good in that. Yeah. It's just the 
it's he's just a terrible what, director. It's just not what people wanted. Right. Most people, nah. That's why prequels are terrible. So the narrative plans confronting Marla. He's going to confront her and be like, I know you, you tourists. And I'm sitting here watching this movie like, you're so angry at her because she's doing the same thing. That yeah. You, well, it's you don't like, know why it. she's doing it. She might be doing it for the same reason you are. What gives you a right to do it and her not? She might <laughs> actually have tuberculosis and then realize how good one um, group made her feel and is goes to others. Oh, yeah. Chloe. But we never find out why. Poor Chloe. Chloe looks like Meryl Streep's skeleton would look if you took off its skin and made it be nice to everybody else. <laughs> So Chloe's dying, and she just wants to get laid one more time. And somebody in that room would take one for the team. If I was in there and I had whatever it is they had, I forget what it was, I'd have to take one for the team. This had to have been a cancer support. Would you? Would you take one for no. the team? No. No? Oh, come on, man. What's wrong with you? you got to no. take one for the team. I don't have to do anything but stay white and die. Yeah, I'm <laughs> working on the second one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just... Why? I bet I'd you, get her a hooker. I bet you at least one dude in this room right. probably did or found a way to help her. But <laughs> Just get her a hooker. Say, like, hey, man, this chick's going to lick you down. <laughs> I'll keep him moving down. <laughs> I mean, what up? Or maybe there's a male she hooker. She has pornographic movies and lubricants has, and anal nitrate. She, well, they'd have to pool their money because they all have cancer, so they got lots of bills. And they don't have the kind of money that it takes to hire Leo Grant. <laughs> That is true. He's expensive. I forgot about that. You don't have to get Leo Graham. You just get like Leo Medium or Leo Tall. <laughs> Leo Pequeños. I, somebody would have sex with her, I'm sure. But people will have sex They're with dudes. people for no reason. So during the next... Honestly, I thought maybe uh, he should try. Like, maybe that'll help you sleep. Get laid. <laughs> so during guided meditation, the narrator says if he had a tumor, he'd name it Marla. I wouldn't have any tumors if I named Marla after this yeah. movie. Professes too much. So in his cave, he finds his power animal, and now it's Marla, who's smoking. Looks at him and says, fly. Which <laughs> says slide. I thought it was fly. Fly? Yeah. Okay, well. I don't know. Well, well then go back and Because it slides. I don't know. <laughs> so the narrator goes to confront Marla, who's getting a cup of coffee, and he's like, I need to talk to you. And she's got her hand on a little coffee spout, and it's overflowing, and she didn't think to let go until he pulled her away. But he does pull her away. Yeah. I was like, like, get off of me, dude. <laughs> I'm on to you. I've seen you at tuberculosis. I've seen you at testicular cancer. And she goes, I've seen you practicing this. <laughs> Is it working out for you the way you planned? It's like, you don't want to get into this. It becomes an addiction. So he's like, well, why do you do this? He's like, well, it's cheaper than a movie and there's free coffee. <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, I can't cry if there's another faker here. So you need to leave. And she's like, not my problem. And walks away. Legit. Not my problem, dude. <laughs> I like how they, they do the hug and she like fake cries against him. <laughs> so they leave and they decide, hey, you know what? Let's compromise. We'll split up the groups. So when they go through and they're talking about split up the, the groups. <laughs> like when he start, they start showing him at all of all the different places looking at her. And he's like, she goes to my brain parasites and it's all these people looking. And they're all just kind of looking around. But then he goes... And even my monthly sickle cell anemia thing, and it's all—it's him staring at her, and all the black people are staring at him. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't get sickle well, he's cell. He's oblivious to everything. Yeah, it's just funny shit. And she's like, and he says, "I think testicular cancer should be a no-brainer." She's like, "Well, technically, you still have your balls." Yeah. So, <laughs> I goes, always, are you serious? Because I don't know. Am I? I always <laughs> love that line. Like, you know what? 
That's true. <laughs> but then Marla goes into a laundromat and steals a bunch of jeans. Yes. And then goes across the street and sells them. And during this, narrator's like, hey, you left half your clothes. And walks over. She's like, what are you selling? He's like, she grabs him right by the cojones. And is like, yes, I'm selling some clothes. All right, fine. And they split everything up and they decide to, you know, exchange numbers just in case somebody wants to switch days. Um, but she doesn't seem too broke up about it where he's like, hey, we should stay in contact. But... Not too much. She's she like, doesn't why? care. Why? Like, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to show up. I guess if I see you there, I might leave. <laughs> if so it's pulls, your turn. <laughs> he pulls out a business card and writes his phone, his phone number down and hands it to her. And she doesn't have a card, so she writes it on his hand. And then she walks into traffic and is like, hey, it doesn't have your name on it. Who are you? What <laughs> businessman has a business card without his name on it? I know that it's the narrator and it's this thing. But who has a business card with no name on it? Me. Uh, it's got Cornelius, Rupert. I've your business card. Your name is on it. Ah, shit. I don't have a business card, but it does seem like part of the business card is... Yeah. In. Like, what's the whole point? And he has a professional job. Yeah, has one on it. Like, he's... <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't, think, he, I don't think he have no. the company. I don't think no. I don't think what he does is going to be on a business card with the company yes, name is. on it. But, but, but what does he call it? He, when he answers the phone, he calls it something. He's like a recall specialist or something. He's some kind of insurance adjuster. No, he sort of a thing. What he does is he decides whether they should do recall. Yes, them. I know. But he's not but insurance. He's some kind of like he works for one of the auto companies. He says it flat out. Uh, Which one? Yeah, I know. One of the big ones. I know. Okay. Okay. But when he answers the phone in this office, he does say that's what would be on his card. That whatever two words he said when he answered the phone. <laughs> you wake up in various airports. This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. During these, are your notes just the script verbatim? <laughs> no, actually, my notes are just kind of like little blurbs, and I know the movie so well, I could just do it. I'm just curious. <laughs> is this where they they say though that? They like to go to these groups because people listen to you when they think you're dying and they and don't just, just think about speak, yeah. what they're going to say next. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I'm not doing the whole script. Because he has insomnia, just he just randomly wakes up. They're just showing you a building up yeah. so that his life is chaotic. He just wakes up in Kentucky and then he wakes up in Georgia and then mm-hmm. he wakes up in... Yeah. You have single-serving friends, single-serving coffee, single-serving cream. You know, after a long... serving Q-tips. Yeah. After a long enough time... Which are always... Everybody's survival rate drops to zero. Which is true. We all gotta die. Me except Tony. Wow. So far, he's immortal. I feel like if my life consisted of single-serving friends, I would have no friends because I'm not talking to people on an airplane. (laughs) I wouldn't. I'd talk to everybody. I know. That's it between you and me. That's, I feel like that's if you're it, in airports this much, you're an extrovert, you might and have I'm an introvert. become friends with people who work at your local airport. <laughs> you might know Perhaps. a lot of flight the attendants. Two, the two <laughs> you probably start to know the flight attendants. <laughs> Security people. <laughs> so while on the plane with a single serving friend, he describes his job as a recall coordinator. What he does is apply the formula. And he said, and he goes through the cost of a recall and how likely is it to fail. And if that is less than the cost of recall, they don't do one. And he's like, are there a lot of jobs like this? Are there a lot of of accidents? accidents? (laughs) More than you think. Which motor motor company do you work for? One of the big ones. Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. I guess we're Mm -hmm. supposed to be appalled by this, but I'm like, well, but that makes sense. Mm -hmm. If if it's less cost effective, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. This happened to GM. 
where they weren't recalling cars and you were going to fail because they figured the likelihood was less, you know, less of a chance. And people found out about it mm-hmm. and they had to pay a huge fine and recall all of the cars. So it didn't really work out for them. But this happened. I remember that happening to GM. Mm-hmm. So during talk, the call, talk with this lady, he says, life insurance pays triple on a business trip if you die. That's probably not true. Well, it Carly, you, Carly made the point, like, to who? <laughs> you don't have yeah. anyone in your like, life. <laughs> my my life insurance through my job does pay out, I believe, double if I die in an accident. Oh, like, right, it depends. On, it, it is it one of the on terms the of, That's of your my policy, work. Yeah. Yeah. Not of an accident on the job because I mean I guess that's possible but (laughs) but like if I die in a car accident or whatever it's not my fault then Tony would get double the double my salary instead of one year or triple my salary instead of one year and that's just part of my job having that insurance and that's your policy depends on what's in your policy we should do whatever his policy is but like uh, like he's like if i die stoker gets all the (laughs) i've never read my life insurance policy through work because if um it's free if i only have ten thousand dollars of coverage Hmm. so which is what i have which will cover the mine is free and no you don't need to have a funeral and just cremate me it's It'll you're dead. You don't get a say in this. No matter how much you think, you know, no. you're dead. <laughs> They're not going to ask you. But I don't pay for any additional. I it's pay just for free, additional. So I've now. never even bothered to read all the John's terms. John's going to have you mummified. I pay for I additional now that we got married. married. And they'll let me. And dipped in, in mercury. And then I already I had a policy a from when I married I'm John. I'm bringing a taxidermy. I don't actually believe in humans. I think there are ways of time, money, and effort. <laughs> hey, what's in this room? Oh my oh, God! I would never come to this house. The last again. thing your loved ones should have to do is throw a big event and spend a lot of money and coordinate out-of-town relatives and have to. Yeah. And I understand that for some people, sharing their grief is very therapeutic, and that is understandable. But the last thing I want, I think, relatives should have to do is coordinate some large event so, with a bunch well, of people they don't When I die, Elaine's not having a funeral. I think if, if <laughs> you... If I could I'm get away with not having one, I would not have one. And if I could have one and not actually go when you die, I would. Because I don't want to share my grief over your death with any motherfucker. <laughs> or daddy fucker. What about I don't. an uncle it's fucker? It's mine, I feel like- <laughs> and I don't want to have to put up with their grief impinging upon mine because my life has been destroyed. Yeah, it's going to be real awkward if I die before my mother does and Elaine and my mother have to deal with each other. That's going to be I'm bad. I'm not dealing with I mean, her. my trouble's are over, but I feel bad she for She can Cross. throw a funeral and I won't show up. <laughs> my poor son's going to have to deal with the two of them. <laughs> He's leaving like, early. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> I totally like, get Fuck this. your perspective. But it's not a usual perspective. So it's either, not something awesome. that I'll ever really have to worry about. There's not a lot of out-of-town family in my family. We I mean, all been, already live here. You've been, uh, you, you went to my wedding. The only groceries there were me and you. Yeah. <laughs> like the last thing I want to deal with is John's co-workers. Right. But I feel like... Well, the jazz triangle business is. It would be family who can be very needy about those kinds of things. I don't want to have to put up with your grief. I'm too busy grieving. It's okay. On a regular basis, I tell people what I'd like to have at my funeral. I say, "Look, I'm telling you for a reason because you're going to be in a position where X, Y, Z happens, and you need to deal with it." I know, but I feel like it would be great to have a party. Like a year later, like because so much has to be done immediately when somebody dies. It's a lot. Give me some time to. Uh, do something. Oh, no. <laughs> and then you have to plan this on top of do. everything. I know it's yeah. terrible. It's too much. It's too much. I just too don't, bad. I don't like the 
I don't like the whole get it. It's, it's got to be within a week or like, something. Can't we I understand do it in the six body's months? dead, but it, <laughs> you're on a clock. It's no, just like, good I, lord, man. I feel but like first of all, they pump it full of so much stuff know, that it'll be fine. But I feel like you that's can a very. The but the only thing is now you're having to pay to store a body. Yeah. I feel like that has to do with the fact that we are we're burying body, bodies, which is creepy, by the way. My family is um, a cremation and family. And a waste of time. But <laughs> if you're a cremation family, then it doesn't matter because you cremate them and then you can hold it. Like a lot of times you'll see people do something months after someone has died when there's been cremation. Well, that's what but I'm going to do. People are like, no, we got to view the body right away. Because you know if I you like? don't, it'll get... <laughs> Mold. You put a picture next to the urn. <laughs> well, I want to see him. He looked like that. This is him when he was alive. Because when's the last winter funeral? Went? Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. No. The last funeral I went to was both time, my grandfathers. You know, Neither one of them looked the time, exactly anything like they wonder, did when they were is alive. Is there anything in that urn, or is that just a fancy urn that belongs to the to the mortuary, and you're really in a less fancy? I mean, it's there's a thing. I, I got it when my dad got it. When I got my dad, it's it's. Hey, this is a lot of your dad. <laughs> it's not all of your dad because we can't do that but it's mostly your most dad. of your dad but some there might part... be some other people in there <laughs> there it's might be a little party going on also a little sprinkle of Bethany's name yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Francisco's Uncle June we, we do our best but we're so not we, we sweep him up but we don't get all the corners yeah. like, but the good news is he's giving me other people's urns too so it's a party all over the place go dump a bunch of stuff in your fireplace and then try to get Get it all out. <laughs> so you tell luck. me which one of these logs was Bob yeah. and which one of these logs was Jennifer. Exactly. I dare you. <laughs> so um, during this conversation, he imagines that the plane explodes. Crashes and he but, it seems to enjoy it quite a but bit. But then he wakes up and he's sitting next to who? Tyler Durden. And they chat about the illusion of safety and, you know, a safe landing at it. And when you're crashing in and he's like, do you know why they give you oxygen? On an airplane, so you can breathe. It's like no oxygen gets you high. It's all right here in the pictures. Look at these guys; they're as calm as Hindu cows. You get oxygen and you get docile. You accept your fate. Well, that's how I'd want to go. You don't want people. To I panic mean, seriously, I'd rather be high than panicking. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't want to be in a plane crash at all. Well, that's that's true. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in any situation where the oxygen masks fall out, even accidentally. <laughs> Hi. There's the, and the dog just popped up to talk. Give us it. No, you don't want to talk about it? Okay. I do like Tyler's briefcase. Full so of soap. They, they noticed that they have the exact same briefcase. And the narrator says, You were the most interesting single serving friend I've ever had. Then he explains single serving friend. He's like, Oh, I get it. Like, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's very <laughs> clever. He goes, I make soap. I make and I sell soap. But he's got a briefcase full of soap, mm-hmm. which this is 1999. They would let you bring on a plane. Don't bring that now. They're not letting you bring that on a plane. Bar soap? They might. I don't think so. Who knows, man? It's not a liquid. This on. Right. <laughs> it's not a liquid, though. They're a lot less concerned about solids than they are liquids. And, and I'm going to tell you, actually I don't want to talk to somebody on a plane, but if they had a briefcase full of handmade soap, I probably would buy some of his like. <laughs> Do you like handmade soap? Yeah. And I like bar soap. I would probably yeah. accidentally buy some people soap, which is terrifying. So during the flight, Tyler decides <laughs> he's going to get up and leave, and he goes, I do. ah. I don't want to wash my ass with Bethany's But you don't butt. know. The question of etiquette, as I pass, would give the ass or the crunch. It's fine. No. You just knocked everything off. I'll and I, it's always the ass. Always? Always the ass. Because if you get through the crotch, and all of a sudden you make weird eye contact. And now you're straddling some dude and you're giving him eye contact. Don't you? Ooh, that might be my jam. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's how you tell someone's a serial killer. If they oh. give you the crotch. 
or, <laughs> or a figment of your imagination. I would never give anybody the crotch. Always the ass. Mm-hmm. I give them whatever I feel like, and they're going to take it. I feel like... Right? Okay. I tend to give, I suppose, give people the crotch, because historically, not necessarily right now, the front of my body is flatter than the back of my body. <laughs> I have more control <laughs> over how much I touch Charlie you. If I admit she's a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> So about that immortality thing. I don't think. I guess it would depend on how many people are in the row in front of you and how many people are in the row in front of them. Like if you turn around and you give me the crotch, your butt's taking out that little kid, though. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. It's one of those things. I have to be aware. (laughs) Even if you're, I mean, depending on the seat, somebody's still getting the butt and somebody's still getting the crotch. So anyway, um, how we came to live with Tyler is very. It's a funny story. Is it? Airlines have. Shit. <laughs> have, this, have this policy about vibrating luggage. So we cut to the narrator talking to um, a luggage person, and he's like, was my suitcase ticking? And he goes, no. Uh, throwers don't worry about um, ticking because modern bombs don't tick, but they vibrate. He goes, was my luggage vibrating? He goes, nine times out of ten, it turns out to be electric shaver, but every once in a while, and he looks around and goes, which, and when if we it's get a dildo, dildo or a razor, then why are we so worried about it? <laughs> well, if it's vibrating, they have to look at it. And he goes, when, in the instance of a dildo, we never apply ownership of a dildo. We never say your dildo. We say a dildo. This is and not he's important like, information. And he's like, <laughs> I don't own a dildo. And he's like, I, think I got you. Just then he sees Tyler jump into a red convertible, I believe it's a Mustang, and drives away. So he turns his head as a guy goes, hey, that's my car, <laughs> and drives away. So Tyler arrives at his apartment, and we see that it's exploded. <laughs> it's on fire, and he goes to go up, but the like, the doorman's like, "I'm sorry, orders from the police. He you can't go in his there." Own apartment. Which the police are not giving these orders. It's going to be the firemen that tell you. Yeah, you can't go in there. It's not structurally sound. <laughs> but I tell you the other day at work, I'm sitting there. We're all sitting there. You know, we're sitting playing with the, you know greasing your triangle because we had a big gig, right, right, big right. gig coming. <laughs> and we look up, and there's three firemen in full fucking gear. <laughs> and they're just walking through the building, and I'm like, "Hey, fellas, um, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing?" And you're like, "Oh, we got a fire alarm in your basement. We're just checking." I'm like, "Anybody want to tell anybody in the building that is probably on fire right now?" And he's like, "Um, yeah, we're just investigating now." And they're in full garb, like the whole thing. They have their masks. Should they're not we on, go way down but down. they're on. <laughs> so I look at the other two people in the room, like, "I think we should go," <laughs> and they both agreed. Yep. <laughs> so we leave, and we go outside, and you look, and there's not a fire truck. There's four fucking fire trucks. One of them's got a goddamn ladder on that can reach Venus, and we're sitting in the building. No one told us. That's because it's probably not... Nobody pulled the fire alarm. It was a sensor. Yeah, if the firemen show up with four trucks, and they're all decked out, I'm leaving. It's time for everyone to get out. No, we did. We all went and got coffee. Why? Because it was a great time to get the fuck away from the building. Because if it's on fire and it's going to explode, I don't want to be there. I, I did once witness a compactor fire. That smelled bad. <laughs> you also fought fires. I fought fires, yes, but I also like I, I have been in a building when there was a compactor fire. That's funny because I fought the law and this the is law it, one. This is an important safety tip: don't throw batteries away, people, mm-hmm. because you know what? They can start a fire. And you wouldn't think that they could hey, start hey, a fire. Hey, we didn't mm-hmm. start the fire. Mm. But batteries easily well, start a fire, which is why they Since tell the you to recycle batteries. Yeah. But you should always tape Carly the ends of reference. your batteries so they don't start a fire. Because you know what smells bad? Trash fires. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. All right, so um, during in the rubble, we see his yin-yang coffee table has set ablaze and also find Marla's number. So he must have wrote it down on a piece of paper. And he calls her. Somehow, it survived. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. He kept it in his wallet, let's be real. No, it was on the fridge because it was, had, it was all burned up when he found it on the floor. Well, that's also, the- we don't. We don't know if any of this happened. <laughs> also, this he's guy, insane. This guy's cuckoo, this guy's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. This could have never happened at all. Yeah. He doesn't have a screw loose. He's missing that yeah. motherfucker. Well, I think he blew up his own apartment. He did. He we did. know he did because well, he says later, like, that's why I blew up your apartment. Yes, I know, and it was but... Tyler that did it, so we know that he's... Oh, spoilers. I think it, this movie came out in 1999. We spoil every movie we do on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't heard it in the last 25 years, I don't think we need you. to worry about spoilers. Well, it's a bigger Bruce. twist that Bruce Willis is dead, <laughs> and he was a ghost the whole time, or that Tyler Durden is the narrator. I didn't figure either one out, and I saw both of those in the theater, so I can't... I hate those, like, I figured it out. I'm like, no, you didn't. Because I watched both of those in the theater, crazy. and I did not. I knew he was a ghost <laughs> when the ring rolled, rolled over, but that was like... Maybe six seconds before they told you. Yeah. I knew he was a ghost you, when they told me. No. But do you feel which one do you feel like was a bigger twist? I don't remember. I feel like this would have been, but I like this movie more. Mm. I don't know. I, I remember being blown away in the book, but it was like that with Gone Girl too. And like, oh shit! You know, you look to that page, and you're like, fuck. That is pretty shocking. Gone Girl is terrifying. <laughs> it is. Makes you fear women, like straight up. Um, I just like it because it, when you when you have you talk to women about it they're like yeah they're both the same terrible people because she's a murdering rapist that that enslaves people and kills them and stuff and he cheated like that's not the same no i know but that's what they all all say and you're like wow that's That's uh, scary you're like um no (laughs) but yeah it's scary makes you fear people but anyway um so he calls marla but marla doesn't say anything it's like, I can hear you breathing. It hangs up. <laughs> and scared. then he calls Tyler, because he found Tyler's card in his pocket, who gave it to him on the plane. Remember, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. say that. Um, he showed him the soap. <laughs> and he doesn't answer. So then he walks out, and the phone rings. And for those eagle-eyed people, you can see on the phone, it says, no incoming calls on this phone. This is one of those where, like, 20 years later, it's like, look, here's all the clues. And you're like, well, you know what? I never fucking noticed that. Because no one reads the phone when yeah. it rings. It's like when it's, you watch all the Easter eggs in Marvel movies, and I'm right. like, I don't get that Easter egg. I don't get that Easter egg. That's well, not and this, there are, they put a lot of little clues in here that Tyler's not real, that you notice after the fact. But when you first time I watched this, I didn't notice any of these things. I notice them now, yeah. because I know where they are. That's like when we watched the Dungeons & Dragons movie, and I kept waiting for all the cool Easter eggs, and there was less than you would want. Like, it was probably 20 years before I saw um, Brad Pitt in the commercial Oh, really? in the hotel. I never knew he was there. Mm-hmm. Just never really paid that much attention. And then you see him, you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know. The only thing Tony was really like, did you see him? Did you see him? Every did time he flopped on the no. He's on the left. Did you yeah. see him? Yeah. Yes, I saw I him. I didn't see him until the airport. And I only ever noticed two of the sliced in porn. One in the very <laughs> beginning and the one in right at the end. Yeah. Which is way obvious. I didn't need to see Well, that's that. not a single frame at the end. Yes, I know. <laughs> but I only ever noticed frames. I only like ever noticed one in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, it. And I, I know, know there's more. There. I know there's more. But so Tyler calls back like and he's like spice No, the spices. spiced porn. So Tyler's on the phone and he's eating. Don't be the guy who makes a phone call and is eating. Someone you don't know is like, Who is this? He's like, Oh, Tyler, who is this? Yeah, we met on the plane. Remember uh, your single serving friend? I'm the clever guy. He goes, oh, right. <laughs> but Brad Pitt's always eating in everything. I feel like Brad Pitt eating 
is a little bit like Sam Rockwell dancing. <laughs> because. It's true. Like, he's eating in, maybe not all of his early roles, but, like, if you look at his movies now, he's always fucking eating. But my favorite Brad Pitt eating is Ocean's Eleven. Because at the end, where he's eating, he holds his heart like, God, I ate too much. Because <laughs> he ate the entire movie. <laughs> I know. But I feel like that's become... One of those things where he always, his character is always eating and everything. It's really him. hard to eat in movies because you have to do multiple takes. I know. All right, so he goes, uh, and he goes for beer with Tyler. My favorite and thing he eats in Ocean's Eleven is the shrimp cocktail. Because FYI. the plate changes into a well, cup. I was like, did you see the, did you see the thing with Tom Cruise and, um, God damn it. Who's the guy that has the salad dressing? Paul Newman. Paul Newman. They did a movie together and they were talking and he's like, yeah, Paul, I'm doing this movie. And they're talking about like, you know, tips and stuff. And he's like. They said uh, the, the color could, of money. It's the it's the sequel to the Hustler, right? But he Tom. I don't think it's in this movie. But Tom was getting ready to do another movie, and he was like, uh, "Yeah, I'm gonna. I got this scene coming up, and I can eat food, and I can do what I can eat whatever the fuck I want." So I told him chocolate cake, and Paul Newman's like, "Wow, the bad call." He was, "No, nah, dude, I get to eat as much chocolate cake as I want." He was, "Good luck with that." <laughs> and then he's like, "Dude, I had to eat fucking chocolate cake for like three weeks," <laughs> and he said, like, "Fucking never want to see chocolate cake again." <laughs> It's the law of diminishing returns. Like, if you have a chocolate cake, that first piece is amazing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm going to have another piece. No. Not as good. Your eighth piece, you hate that fucking cake. Your 800 piece, <laughs> you don't ever want to fucking see it again. Poor Heather Graham. Why? What'd she have to eat? She, there's that movie where... She had to eat a dick? I don't know. Whoa! No. <laughs> that, that was, um... There was a where movie... Where she was Robo Girl. Yeah. Dirk Diggler, Robo Girl. Boogie I, Nights. I have never seen that. I you never saw that. Boogie Nights? Really? This is not news. I've not seen it. It's not a good movie. Either. I know you did. Um, <laughs> I saw the full Monty, though. Um, I saw that. That's fun. Um, there's a movie where Heather Graham... The guy... It's a movie about a guy, and he goes it's out with him... It's called Anger Management, and she has to eat all those chocolate cupcakes. Uh, yes. Why? Then why didn't you help me? Because you were talking, and when I interrupt you, you get mad at me, and then start mm. over. But this is also why Will Ferrell didn't do another Elf movie because he couldn't stand to eat the food. Oh right! Well, Can you imagine no that shit? Could, oh god! He was sick all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, Even without it necessarily being yeah. as gross as it was, it's yeah. still. I, I think Will Ferrell wins for having to suck it up the most. Uh, That's why he said, "I'm not doing another one." They wanted yeah. him to. He was I like, mean, "I can't." He's like, "I will give you a hundred million dollars." <laughs> Cruise. No. Pitt, Pitt said that he got sick from the blood in interview. He said it was this weird corn syrup shit, then he fucking hated it. We asked him to change the consistency to so maybe taste a little better. And like, we can't. It's just how it looks for the... We, all we care about is what it looks like. We don't care what you think. And he said it was gross. So he's telling Tyler about how his apartment blew up and they lost his luggage. And he's like, could be worse. Someone could cut off your penis and throw it out of a window of a moving car. There's Anybody that. get the reference? Yes. <laughs> so Some people don't. They don't know about Lorraine, Lorraine Bobbitt. Well, all right, friends, Google Lorena Bobbitt if you don't know. <laughs> if you're under the age of 28, maybe you should Google it. Yeah. Remember, every comedian around that time had a bit on them. Oh, yeah. Come on, where is it? <laughs> anyway, so uh, Tyler explains that what's wrong with the uh, current culture, and well, not current culture, 1999 culture. Yeah, not like current culture. And like, fuck Martha Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> and they go over a couple things, and Told the narrator's so. like, you know what, but I, you know, I had that perfect apartment had all my stuff and everything was great and Tyler hits him with the line the things you own end up owning you which is also why do we know what duvet is yeah um so they finish their little mandate and they leave and the narrator comes outside and he's like I gotta find a hotel and Tyler's like what come on man just ask the three pictures of beer you can't ask 
And then you call me. Just just ask. Ask what? You call me because you need a place to stay. And he's like, is it a problem for you? And he goes, is it a problem for you to ask? Can I stay with you? Sure. But I want you to do me a favor. Yeah. But first, <laughs> I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? Never been in a fight before. I wonder how it feels. And he's like, where? Surprise me. And the director told him to hit Brad Pitt in the ear. And Brad Pitt was not expecting to be hit in the ear. And it really fucking hurt. So, yeah. So the line in the movie, motherfucker, you hit me in the ear, is not in the script. That's and Brad Norton, Pitt. And Edward Norton and the rest of the crew are laughing. And Brad Pitt is really fucking hurt because he did not know he was getting punched in I the ear. I love things like that in movies where like, yeah, see that reaction? No, that's what the... The yeah. actor did, not the character did. Well, apparently there was a lot of improv done in this movie. And they did way, like, it says they had like 300 hours of footage for a 120-minute movie or something crazy like that. I'd like to sit down one day and watch all the outtakes and shit. There would be, he probably could do three or four different director's cuts. Make completely mm-hmm. different movies. <laughs> all right. It's such a strange thing, though. I I know that they are the same person, but... If I had just met a dude on a plane and had a five-minute conversation with him about how we have the same briefcase, I would only ever call that dude if I needed soap. I certainly wouldn't call him to hang out and maybe stay with well, he doesn't him. Have, <laughs> the way they present it, though, is he doesn't have any alternative. He, he doesn't have any friends. He knows two people. He knows Marla and now Tyler. Yeah, and, and Marla cannot is, stay and with Marla. see a five-minute conversation, but it could have been a six-hour plane. They, yeah, that's they, true. And they also drank... Three pitchers of beer. Yeah, so they were Two together of them. for a bit. So that's what? How many glasses of beer are in a pitcher? Eight. I think, I was going to say it's six. Maybe six. I was going to say <laughs> six. I don't know. I don't so that's beer. three a piece. That's nine a beers a piece. At the cinema cafe. Yeah. So four. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> They're drinking. That, well, that has ice in it. This doesn't that's have ice. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pitchers of ice. So you six, can never get ice because guess what? They never clean the ice machine. Nice. Yeah, great. So this is. they probably have like nine beers a piece. Yeah. So they're probably a little tipsy. They've been there a while. Or he had. Or he had he by had himself. He had 18 fucking <laughs> There was a splitting. So he's drunk right now. Or he, he didn't have any and he's just well, fucking nuts. You can't, she's an unreliable narrator. You don't know what the fuck he did. Yeah. He could have never went in the fucking bar. This could all be in the waiting room of the hospital. Fight with himself. Why? Okay. Okay. Spoilers. We see him later. When he's realizing that he is actually Tyler, and we see flashbacks to him mm-hmm. encountering Tyler, and mm-hmm. it really just being him, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But we see him kicking his own ass in this scene, mm-hmm. and the other people watching it. Why would you start a fight club with the guy who's beating himself up? Because it might be a good time. What is wrong with these people? You definitely want to see what's going on. So what? The only oh, I'm intrigued, yeah. but I don't want to join this guy's so club. So the only thing that would make sense is you see him kicking his own ass, like, "Hey, I'll kick your ass if you want me to." <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's how Fight Club started. Mm-hmm. All right. He's so, also really philosophical. So after people. the narrator punches um, Tyler in the ear, he goes, you hit me in the fucking ear. He goes, was that wrong? He goes, no, it's perfect. And fucking drills Dude. him in the gut. And he's like, oh, that really hurt. Do it again. And the, t- and the narrator's like, hit no, me no, again. He me. goes, no, you hit me. <laughs> so they start fighting. And we cut to them you know, doing a little fighting. Goes, Let me tell you about Tyler Durden. So Tyler worked at night as a projectionist. And he would splice single frames of pornography in family films. So, Which not everything's digital, so this doesn't work. Right. And he said he has done not 
You did this? I didn't do. I I was a projectionist, but I never I never put porn in it. But I did work there. Allegedly. But I did I did work there when episode one came out, and we got memos from Lucasfilm that if more than a certain number of scenes were missing, we were not going to get any more Lucasfilm movies ever again. Mm-hmm. Like, they were super crazy about it. Because people were cutting Darth Maul out and saving it, you know. Oh, this is the actual, you know, people do that. And they're like, that's cool. We're, all, we're, we're getting all of our film back and all of our posters and all of our stuff back. And if you don't return it, you're not getting episode two or three. So mm-hmm. it was kind of crazy. And we learned about cigarette burns, which aren't a thing anymore. I remember seeing those in mm-hmm. theaters. I don't ever remember seeing So, that. in the upper right-hand corner, he explains that there were little circles that cue the projectionist to hit the next projector. Yeah. And I knew about those growing up, because you noticed them. And I, it was I, a thing. I honestly don't think I've ever noticed them. And I don't well, know... Well, that's good, though, because you're not supposed to. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> it, it means they're doing a good job. I don't know what that says about me, but I've never noticed them in any movie. Okay. Um, so, not only did he work as a projectionist, he also works as a waiter in a restaurant, and he would... He was the guerrilla terrorist of the culinary arts, if you will. This is the... I have not been this grossed out about eating in a restaurant since I saw Waiting. Yeah, that mm. movie is... Yeah, that's gross. Gross. That's why I'll never send food back. Don't fuck with people's food. Right. Let's say dessert. Right. Um, These people. So, I mean, I would never order chowder. <laughs> Tony does though and he likes a corn chowder yeah, I do like a corn and chowder. Cross taught us that you should never order those chili at Wendy's well, but or anything but I love a she crab soup I'm gonna order a she crab soup I do like soup and I like chili not, <laughs> not from Wendy's but alright so anyway but I would never order a chowder we cut to um, Tyler and narrator they had fought and now they're back at Paper Street and they're drinking a beer and the narrator says, hey, we should do this again sometime. And they're covered in blood and stuff. And um, So we get to Paper Street, which, you want to talk about what a Paper Street is? What? It's the like pa- the only house in some industrial district. They have and no neighbors. A Paper Street it's, is something that's on a map as toxic. a road that was going to be, but it never actually came oh, to fruition. I didn't fruition. know that. So, I didn't know, oh, that I didn't know you didn't know that. No. So it's called Paper Street because the house doesn't actually exist. Mm. So this whole house and all this stuff didn't happen. So where, but where did Project Mayhem, where were they? Unreliable narrator. But there were real people at Project Mayhem. He knows how to make explosives. He could do this all himself. But we know that Bob was a real person with bitch tits. We do know that Bob, but did Bob actually die? His name was Robert Paulson. There are multiple people living in this house. Are there? Yeah, we know one of them was the copy kid at his office. The end of this movie is ambiguous like American Psycho where it's like, oh, Wait a minute. Did any of this happen? Oh, I assumed all of this happened. <laughs> Welcome oh, to well, the future. We were talking. Uh, I said to John that I don't think I understand what satire means. So, <laughs> I understand so the, what a comedic satire movie is, but this is not a comedic satire. This is a satire I actually about... read multiple definitions of satire, and I still don't understand <laughs> how this movie is a satire. And I don't mean to say that this movie isn't a satire. Um, what I'm saying is Elaine's brain cannot comprehend the satire nature of this film. Sometimes people also apply things to things. And, like, everyone talks about... Have you ever seen, um... Tropic Thunder? Yes. No. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead, the original. What do you mean, you people? Where the zombies... What do you mean, you people? The zombies take over the mall. Like, you saw the one yeah, I did. I saw the one that you did. But I don't there's think... an original one. But everyone always talks about, they're like, man, he George Romero was so uh, ahead of his time. It's all about... Making satire about how consumerism and all, because zombies all go to the mall. I was like, 
Was it? Or that, did you just Robin's, put zombies in a fucking mall? That was Robin Sparkles. Yeah. People, but people, people read like, into stuff sometimes. I get it. They do interpretations. Yes. Yeah. But I understand, like, parody. And again, that's funny. Like, I understand humor-based, but I don't get that, like, I don't understand how this is satire. I don't understand what the comment, what commentary I'm supposed to get. And then, like, this movie in particular is one of those things where people are like, well, you're not, anybody who says this is their favorite movie is obviously a fucked up piece of shit because they obviously well, very... didn't understand it if they love Tyler Durden because they're not supposed to love him. Well, and the they're book... just like these stupid bros. All right, look, so the way that and... that works is the same way people who like Scarface and, you know, yeah. Jordan Belfort, everybody likes these characters because they like them halfway through the movie. They don't see the bad part. Yeah. In, in the movie, but, they do a, they do a lot of work to make it look like Tyler's Tyler's a a bad guy doing good things. In the book, he's a bad guy. He's you're not supposed to like Tyler. He's a fucking monster. In this, they're like he scared that fucking employee at Seven Eleven, but he didn't have any bullets in the gun. No, he had bullets in the gun in the mo- in the book. Like, he's a fucking monster. But he in wants this, this guy to reach his potential. Yeah, he's trying so to push he's people. Scaring him into yeah, and, and it's Brad Pitt. So. Right, and right. the problem I mean, is that Brad cool, Pitt is a likable yeah. person. He's very magnetic. That's why he's a superstar. Is you put him in anything, like he plays Hitler, and you're like, you know what, it wasn't so bad. Yeah. But there's, I mean, like it's funny, but I just don't understand the satirical elements of this movie and what I'm like. Because corporate America is bad. Is it? A hundred percent. Is it? It allows you to live the life that you currently live. I know, but it's bad. Mm. It's not to say that there aren't other systems that are worse. And it's not to say that I think that it can be replaced. But it is still a bad system. It is still a lot. It breeds a lot of inequality, and which also breeds... There's a lot of... of So does the NBA, but but that's allowed to be. There's a lot of of mixed messages. I mean, if you have a problem with corporate America, you have to have a problem with all organized sports. It's very unequal. But at the same time... Why does he have to be seven feet tall to be a basketball player? That's unfair. Carly wants to play. I don't care about sports at all. Um, So that's not really a good argument for me. (laughs) It is the exact same thing. It's a a competition about excelling. No. And it's okay over here, but not okay over here. It is okay. If you have a trait that allows you to excel in one thing, then that's great for you. I... It doesn't make you a god. It just makes you good at this. Um, but it's one of those things. Like and anybody asks you, you're a god, bad, you say also, yes. But also, Project Mayhem is bad because yes, chain coffee shops. The chain that owns that coffee shop is probably terrible and filled with terrible corporate people. But that people. shop that you destroyed the, was probably the, independently owned. But that poor girl, <laughs> that Aaron one was. and Keith and Bobby Joe that so, worked at that corporate we'll get chain. To that. Yeah. That, that, it's That's like when people were boycotting BPs because of the gas, the oil spill, or the gas, you know. And they but were they're like, not the but people the gas stations, you're hurting the gas station owners, not BP as a company. It's because <laughs> Tyler, Tyler rolls up and he feeds all these it's kids, like, like kids, like he keeps saying, we don't have a war. We need a war. And he feeds all these kids, just people, waiting here. a bunch of fucking... I know, right? Yeah, but Tyler was way off. We had a war right well, after I this. I know, but he feeds them all this bullshit philosophy and nihilistic stuff and misogynistic stuff. And they're all like, fuck yeah. And he gets them all, riles them up. It's what cults cults do that. They yeah, say that this is a movie culty. about toxic masculinity. Everything yeah. Tyler Durden but, does is toxic masculinity. But it's not. I have a theory that people love cults, though. People want, no, they don't have love cults. They love being part of something, yeah. belong to something. But every, you say people love cults. I say the same thing about Algorand's religion. People yes, want to be Because people of want to be a part of it. It's culty. It's the same with like CrossFit. Or anytime you get a hobby and everybody, or like these really weird toxic fandoms, like what's your Harry Potter house? It's culty. Because people secretly. <laughs> 
because people really want to they want they crave that culty yeah. belonging and a belief system that is concrete when it's not really it's a tribal it's a tribal thing you okay. know it's it comes from our beginnings it's like oh, hey right. man we're all cool i don't know that motherfucker he's not in our group fuck that dude because it's a safety thing you know because you don't know who you're fucking letting in that's because we're predators can we get back to fight club for a second i guess okay. i just thought we were having an interesting conversation and was curious well I, this is a two and a half hour long movie and mm -hmm. i want to get you know well you could skip stuff I am. <laughs> All right, so um, we see the house that they're living in, and it looks like uh, Tyler just squatted. He said he's been there a year, but it looks like it's very dilapidated and run down. It leaks. The bottom um, floor is underwater. It's sometimes. always underwater, and they have to kill it's the unsafe. power when it rains so they don't die. Do you feel the black mold is, fu is fueling his, in <laughs> his unstable probably insanity? Don't because yeah, there's probably. mold in that, in that water <laughs> that he was brushing his teeth with. That's not safe. No, that's not safe. So Rust water. So while he's getting, you know, accommodated, we find um, Tyler's riding around on a tricycle, well, a bicycle rather, yeah. and the narrator finds a bunch of books written by organs in the first person. I think that these is are weird. <laughs> these are weird. I am these Jill's are, nipple. Are these real books? Do you think these are real books? I don't know. I don't have any I have no idea. But I like how I that's... I bet they a, are now. I bet that's a through line. I love how I that's am a, Jack's that, Is that in the book? I don't know, but yes. I love yeah. how that's a through line throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I think it's like a National Geographic or something, and it's Maybe. just an article series they do. I don't see why they wouldn't be. It's fantastic. It'd be a good thing for like medical students. Yeah. I hope that they <laughs> got a good boost after this movie came out and people Googled it. Was Yeah, there was Google then. 99? Yeah. It's the beginning of Google. I well, there was internet. There was, there was, was an uh, internet and there was search engines. I it was Bing or something. Or it was Netscape Navigator. Ask Jeeves. I hope, Ask Jeeves. I hope Maybe people Yahoo. went Yahoo. to their library and Yahoo. asked if this was a real thing and librarians got to help them find these weird articles. I hope they searched microfiche for this. So, after <laughs> fighting, everything else get its, gets the volume turned down. Because nothing else matters but fighting. There's some truth to that. Yeah. Um... It, and they start talking about it like, hey, if you could fight anybody, who would you fight? And like, um, I'd fight my dad. God, Shatner's such a good choice. That's no, that's later. That's famous. Person. I know, still. Um, so they talk if about their dad. If you could dads. fight anybody, who would you fight? We're going to get to that at the end of the no, podcast. No, you. Oh, we have um, to say that at the end of the movie. Yeah. Oh, if you could fight prepared. anybody all time, who oh, would you I'm fight? I'm prepared. All right, let me room it So in you here. have like an hour to think about it. But I'm not a fighter. <laughs> if you could play Nintendo with anybody, who would it be? <laughs> So they talk about their dads, both. and the stories that they're both telling are identical, and later on you figure out, well, that's because it's the same fucking person. But they don't get their correlation that their dads are the same person. And Tyler says, we're a generation of men raised by women. And I'm wondering if another woman is what we need. I think that that's always been the case, though, for hundreds and hundreds yeah. of years well, this in is, the modern world. What's funny about this is I saw a thing about... Um, uh, what's that podcast with the guy who has all the, the dopey girls around? Yeah, I don't know. What I forget called, what it's I, called, I, I but he's like, too. I watch it, and the guy's like, "There's no reason to get married because it's not beneficial for a man to get married." Explain to me why. And all these women are trying to explain everything. He's like, "Yeah, so uh, we get married, it works out. Oh, guess what? We we get divorced, which seventy percent of all divorces are initiated by women. They get they get the kids, they get all this, they get all that. He goes, it's it's a bad bet for men to get married. I'm like, ah, oh, made me think of that when you said that. Well. But and he's like it's a generation of men raised by women, but everybody. All men are raised by women. But all what? But <laughs> I think he means more of without an absentee father. father yeah, because yeah. you do need but, a father around, otherwise you you make fucked up kids. And it makes you, but it makes you wonder how much um, the fathers were involved in previous years because 
you think about it like the women always stayed home the woman always raised the kids yeah but it was always wait till your father gets home type right of shit. yeah the father but was always there you do you you 100 percent need because, both parents in when raising I a child know, but there's a stereotype about your mom still was the only one that was involved and fathers went to work and still they still didn't have time for you and all that kind of those sort of stereotypes are you hear like when we watched mona lisa smile and all those people were outraged because this is that's not how it was really like so it just makes me think sometimes about what it was really like in like the 50s or the 40s or the 1800s or the 1600s where still women were raising the kids. Yeah. It's just I think father was father was the nuclear bomb because there's a certain point when you raise like back in the day they hit kids but there's a certain point where I remember it where you can hit me mom you literally can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm 14. You can't hurt me anymore. Wait till your father gets home. My dad will hurt me. (laughs) I remember my brother laughing because my mom was spanking him with her spanker spoon and it broke. Yeah. Uh, I remember that being hilarious and her being so mad. Spanker spoon. Yeah, she had a spanker spoon. No, my dad just had a belt. It was just a long wooden spoon. Uh, I was beaten with. I know my mom has talked about her dad basically didn't have anything to do with them until they were old enough to have a conversation mm-hmm. with them because he didn't understand kids and he didn't have to understand kids because her mom raised them and he went to work <laughs> which also is weird to me because john has always been just as involved with the kids as i have it's so weird to me and when people talk like what is weird about that no but like that that common attitude it's a generation one day i was at there, work yeah. and i and i was talking to some ladies you know because you talk to customers as they're shopping and they made a joke about their husbands and how long they had been married. And I was like, oh, well, I've been married, you know, 20 years, whatever. And they were like, oh, the, you know, the key to a happy marriage is a is a man cave so that he stays out of your way. And I'm like, but I don't, I don't want him to be <laughs> out of my way. I want him to be all around me all the time. Like, it's it's those weird things that, like... Well, I mean, it, you get it to always, a point where... It always weirds me out. Or, like, people's, you know, like, the people that have the dads that didn't talk to them until they were 15. Yeah, but my husband was weirdos. a dad the whole time. <laughs> my husband never referred to it as babysitting his own kids. Because yeah. he's a good dad. But, and it weird, and I think it's funny when people are like that. I'm so, like, most of the week, they were Ozzy and Harriet. It's weird. They went on about their jobs. At this point, they still both had jobs. Yeah. I think they have jobs. And on the weekend, jobs. they were finding things out about people. Mm-hmm. They were finding things out. Mm-hmm. It was right in everyone's face. Tal and I just let you see it. It's right in everybody's tongue, but Tal and I gave it a name. Fight Gentlemen, club. welcome to Fight Club. I used to have that hustler shirt. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Tony apparently got a lot of uh, Fight, Fight club, club gear when this. I used movie to have the out. soap. I used to have band aids. <laughs> I used to have all that shit. But I, but I went for for one Halloween. I went as Tyler, and I had the hustler shirt. I was actually you know not he was a fucking fat everybody up. <laughs> but I had a hustler shirt. Is that back this, in the this. frosted tips days? Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I and I bought the uh, fake skin stuff, and I uh-huh. made the little burn mark. That's awesome. And uh, it was it was I pretty cool. It. I did uh, black eye and stuff. It was at store of knowledge. I don't even have pictures, but it was at store of knowledge, and I was Tyler Durden. And some people got it. The people that got it thought it was fucking cool, and most people were like, "What are you?" <laughs> Like, just some dude with a black yeah, hat. Some dude with a girl's shirt on and <laughs> makeup. Like, what's going on here? So you weren't alive anywhere like you are during Fight Club. And that's not just because it's fighting. It's an endorphin high. I actually understand people, that. Well, people who do CrossFit will have the same thing. You get the same endorphin high. I don't agree with that. But <laughs> You were doing it wrong. I don't. I'm not one of those people that gets that burst of serotonin from exercise. It's always terrible and I always hate it. But I have been involved in a combat sport, and I do enjoy that, even though it's terrible, and you hate yourself, and you and it hurts. So, it hurts, but you still get that high. I understand that. So if you could fight anyone, 
historical figure. Who would you fight? Tyler says, Hemingway. And the narrator says, Shatner. I'd fight William Shatner. Like, good one. Which is a good pick. I'm, I do agree <laughs> that that's a good pick. Hemingway would also be an interesting pick. He likes to get in a lot of fights. <laughs> and he seems like an all-around oh, douchebag. Hemingway's a bit of a, I believe, a bit of a fighter. Though Shatner's not really a fighter. I forgot Shatner to mention the rules funny. of Fight Club. Do you need the rules of Fight Club? No. Don't so, talk about Fight Club. The first rule is you don't talk about Fight Club. If you, no Second shoes, rule is, no shirts. Second rule is don't talk about don't Fight Club. And if it's your first time, you have to fight. You forgot no Most, shirt, no shoes. But, she said that. But, I said no, that. No, and then he says... Uh, two person to a fight, one fight oh. at a time, fellas. Oh, okay. oh I know. Long, right. As long as they have to. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the fight stops as if soon as you say. someone goes limp, stop, stop yeah. taps yeah. out, the fight is over. But he doesn't follow that rule when he beats up Pretty Boy. That's on purpose. I know. And we'll get to that. Angel face. That's because his fake personality, like, he thinks his fake personality likes He's Angel face more crazy. than him. <laughs> <laughs> he got jealous that his fake personality liked this other guy more than him. Instead of the other girl that his fake personality I, is fucking. I, this guy's got problems. I cannot <laughs> wait to tell you who my favorite character is. Okay. You guys are going to so be so They're nice. on the bus now. No. And this is one of those things where, you know, like so, so a big dude walks by the two of them and doesn't acknowledge Tyler at all and says, excuse me, yeah. to the narrator. This bumps is one of those things where you notice that he doesn't interact with Tyler at all yeah. and then bumps him because Tyler's not there. Right. But when you first watch it, you don't really notice. But then we cut to Tyler beating the fuck out of that guy. Yeah. Still didn't notice. It's the narrator that beats him. I noticed a lot of things. Yeah, he punches him in the nuts like. I mean, yeah. But also, he punches him in the nuts like seven times. But also, I'm sorry. I thought it was the narrator. I watched it today and still thought it was the narrator. Still wasn't the narrator. And the narrator lost that fight because that guy beat the shit out of the narrator. That's. I, I guess I didn't notice that that was Tyler. Well, you need to watch this again. I guess I noticed a lot of things this time. And I, I just I, knew the that they one, were the same person, the one, so I guess I was kind of looking the, for it. One funny thing is when they're on the bus, and they see that CK Gucci, mm-hmm. Gucci, Gucci or whatever, and it's the guy with the abs. And he goes, "Is that what a man is?" And and Brad laughs at it, but it's Brad Pitt. That's his picture. <laughs> and bless Russ says, uh, "Self improvement is masturbation, yeah. but self destruction now." This is real big on. We're gonna destroy it's nihilism. Yeah, 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 which I'm a big fan of. Not to this level. But. I mean, it's a bit much. To, um, I'm not so, sure I understand what nihilism is. So Tyler beats up the guy on the bus, and then the other dude who's listed in the credits as next month's opponent <laughs> beats up the narrator, and, the ne- and this guy says, how about next week? And he says, how about next month? Yeah. Which is why he's labeled next month's opponent. That's fantastic. That I funny. hear you. That's funny. I'm going to need some time to recover from this one. And we cut to narrator in the hospital, and he says, sometimes Tyler talked to me. He goes, you fell down some stairs. Yeah, I fell down some stairs. And we cut back to any historical fi- figure, who would you fight? Gandhi. I'd fight Lincoln. Good reach. <laughs> Actually, Lincoln was kind of a badass. That was squirrely. <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln was like a wrestler. Yeah, Lincoln And like, he used to box people at the um, White House. I mean, but, not like Teddy Roosevelt did. Teddy Roosevelt used to I bring people over to fight them. But they're not necessarily looking for people to beat their ass. They're yeah. looking for good fights. So for good fights. Yeah. Like Gandhi? <laughs> yeah, they don't seem to care whether they win or lose. No. Yeah. Although, I feel like, do we see Tyler lose? No. Because we see not the narrator he, lose. He's perfect. But so. we don't ever really see Tyler losing. Yeah. So I wonder if any, if when he wins, he's always Tyler, Tyler. And when he loses, he's always Might Tyler. be. No, he wins while well, he beats he does, Angel Face. Yeah. He wins well, as a narrator a couple of times. Yes, he does. He might cheat he was, with Angel Face. Because but, he, 
<laughs> I mean, we do see him win, the narrator win and lose, but I don't think we ever see Tyler. No, Tyler doesn't lose. Tyler's perfect. Because he's Tyler. Tyler is what the narrator imagines is perfect. Yes. It's his good Every, Everything Every, you want to be. It's Avatar. If I'm Brad Pitt, like, you want me to be him? Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> you think I'm perfect. Apparently, he, he had to go like through a lot of hoops to get this role. He, he, he supposedly broke into Fincher's house or some kind of... Well, there's a lot of bullshit, but there's a lot of, like, stories about it. He so, really wanted I'm sorry, did my coughing bother you? Really go back to sleep. So, we're at the house, and Tyler's playing with nunchucks. Because he's Tyler. Because he's Tyler. And the phone rings, and it's Marla. He usually runs and hides somewhere. He feels safe. Marla says that she took a whole bunch of Xanax, and she's going to die. And she hasn't seen him in any of the meetings. And he's like, well, how would you know? We're not supposed to see each other. I cheated. I've hey, would you like to hear a death you been up. <laughs> So he's like, look, I got to go. And she's that? telling him, I'm going to die. I took a bunch of pills. And he's like, that's great. I don't care. Puts the phone on top of the the, the, the receiver yeah. on top of the phone and walks away. Tyler finds this and, and she's still talking. So he goes um, to her house and we cut to the weirdest sex scene ever. And... <laughs> There's some fun stuff in the trivia about... The, the head of the studio or the producer at the time, which was a woman, being really upset by a couple of things. She was really upset by... So the, the, li- the line that Marla says after the first time they have sex is, I want to have your abortion. She was like, that's so terrible. You need to take that out. Fincher's like, all right, fine. I'm taking that out. But whatever I come like up with next... Because he's like, my mom's going to watch this. But whatever <laughs> I come up with next... She had to promise to keep... Is going to stay in. And yeah. she they came up with, I've been fucking... That's his grade school. But also... The rubber glove later that he's wearing, <laughs> she was upset by, like disgusted. So they saw the test screening, and everyone's like, "That's awesome." <laughs> I don't know, man. I would imagine. But the best part about the whole <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to hear this. <laughs> I don't think that it would have to be related to spanking because the the rubber would make a different effect. We don't That's what I imagine, but I'm sure it's grosser than that. Anyway, so let's well, go back to the head of the studio was like, alright, put the other line back in. And Fincher's like, no, no, you promised. You said. And the worst part about it was um, Helen Bonham Carter is from England and doesn't know what grade school was. She thought it was like high school and didn't oh. learn until the movie came out. The movie's out and like, I can't believe you said that. She's like, what? And then they explained to her what grade school was and she was mortified. <laughs> She'll be alright. That, yeah, I mean, she's. I mean, she is known she for being a weird character. <laughs> but, but at least she knew that when she I was doing like, it. When you find out later, yeah. there's something about the magic of Helena Bonham Carter. Like she plays these characters, and it never makes me think that she's an evil, crazy bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she play, like she plays these. But I imagine that she is just a very interesting person. <laughs> I never true. imagine that she's awful. Even though she played, and like the same with Tim Burton or Rob Zombie. He's, okay, like if you read the things, he's super creepy. But at the same time, I'm always like, I think he's just an interesting dude. I've, I've listened to at least three podcasts with him, and he's just a regular dude. I know. He doesn't, he's he not digs But like there's sometimes the like, like Cersei or the kid that played Joffrey, like people watch that thing and then they're like, oh, that person's yeah. terrible. But at this, but like I never get that vibe from Helena Bottom Carter. I'm always just like, she just must be really interesting. So the narrator notices that Tyler's door is closed. He's been here for how many months and never his door is never closed. So during breakfast, 
um, the narrator, well, the narrator wakes up and goes down for breakfast. He also sees a lot of condoms in the toilet. And he's like, Gross, huh. by the way, don't flush your condoms down the toilet. That's how If you, you live have here, you're problem. fine. <laughs> That's how you get plumbing problems. He doesn't care. They probably already have. Yeah. Is that why there's so much water in the basement? <laughs> Look, okay. Tyler be dicking him down. Anyway, so during breakfast, Marla comes down, and but the narrator thinks it's Tyler, and it says, I had the weirdest dream. Um, and she's like, I can't believe much things that happened last night. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's a little taken back. He's like, this is my house. Why are you in my house? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, poor Marla. And Marla is like, what? what? Poor, see, and, and, I, you and once you know the twist, this makes house. sense. Yeah. But and when you first watch it, you're like, oh. Yeah. It's funny because I don't know, every time I, I don't know if I thought this the first time before I understood the twist, or if I knew the twist going into watching this movie, but I have always felt sorry for poor Marla Singer. Yeah. Like, she's a terrible person, and I have never not felt sorry for her, especially <laughs> in this scene. You're like, this poor chick. So Tyler comes down. This guy saves her life, bangs her out super good, and then is like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> So Tyler comes down after Marla leaves, and he's like, Ooh. <laughs> I was just blinded by the light. I felt like a douche. I'm sorry it's dark in here. I can't, I don't like to be in the Oh, dark. I'm so happy that you need to see, because your notes are. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. This is where we find out that John has been infected by Tony's vampirism. It happens. You play golf with a guy. Every once in a while. Should happen. I'll no, I can't. I like garlic. All day, and I'll come out to. To take kids to the bus, and, it'll be too and I'm like, "Oh my god, why is it so bright out here?" <laughs> so Tyler's like, "Come on, you know what it's like. You fucked her." And he's like, "No, I haven't." He's no. like, "Oh, well, don't, because she's a predator posing as a house pet." Stay away from that. Stay away. From and don't her. ever talk about me with her. And don't ever talk about me with her. <laughs> and she, she's like, "Great, Chill, stop it." So she invaded my support groups, and now she's invaded my house. He's like, "Hey, promise me you won't talk to her about me." All right, I will. No, promise me you won't talk to her about me. I said I won't. I promise me you won't talk. I said I won't promise. He's like, what am I going to talk to her anyway? That's three times you promise. I do this to people. I, I make the promise noticed. three times ago. That's three times you promise. Nice. I never know. And if they notice Jesus that. Jesus did that. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, if they, and if they notice, like, is that from Fight Club? Yes. No, it's from the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the Bible, you heathen. You will renounce me thrice. All right, so. Oh, man. Um... <laughs> Facebook today. Oh, good. Let's talk about <laughs> Facebook instead of this fucking movie. It's Pride Month. And, what uh, does that have to do with rubber gloves? Because we're getting to the rubber one, gloves. One of those super religious people that I'm friends with on Facebook, um, not someone from the church we used to go to, someone from like, one of my mom's friends, had posted that she doesn't have pride. She has something else. And it was off this quote from Genesis. Now, not a homophobic quote or anything. Just happened to do with belief in God. And I was like... Why? I almost got Why do you? Why? 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 Why do you need to post this? It's okay, but this wasn't even anti. This yeah. isn't anti-gay. This is it doesn't just, have anything to do with it. So it why does it have to be anti-pride? Like why? Didn't why? Actually why? Say anything. Hey, when you're gonna give an anecdote, it should give some substance. You're like, so this thing happened and it's this thing, and I was you're like, right. why? I'm wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. Okay. Anyway, so we cut to more hibbity dibbity. I didn't want kid, to. That's what the kids call it. They were never actually naked, though. They were in motion capture suits. <laughs> right. So the narrative walks by, and Tyler's door is closed, and he stands outside the door, and Tyler opens it up. This is where he's wearing the rubber gloves. It was cracked. <laughs> he peeked through the crack. He was trying to and he keeping sa- Tom down. He, was, he <laughs> asks, <laughs> be a voyeur. do you want to finish her off? And she falls, falls off, off the, the bed. bed. 
And she goes, who's that? And he goes, shut up. <laughs> and he's picking his belly button with this dirty glove. He's <laughs> like, I really don't want to see in this room. After the first time they had sex, too, he's in his bathrobe and he kept scratching. And I was yeah. like, do you have crabs? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? So back to the we office. super crabs from that fucking house. Mm. He writes. Fleas. He, Definitely fleas, bed bugs. <laughs> so the narrator was writing haiku poems and sending them to everybody. <laughs> And his boss comes in and is like, what? hey, man, your you look like shit. If you started Get your stuff together and go home. Is that blood on your shirt? Is that your blood on your shirt? Some of it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't smoke in here. <laughs> How long would it take your boss to notice? Um... So smoking. <laughs> how often do they talk to you when you had bruises and stuff? How often would they? All the you? time. Okay. See, this whole thing was like people won't won't ask about the bruises on your face. So when I was fighting and came coming to work with bruises, they would always ask. Yeah, same thing. But like, I didn't oh, what happened to you? They asked everybody because <laughs> people want to know. They don't notice bruises on my hands or on my legs, but they would notice bruises on my face. Yeah. Come with the black. Oh, I always happened? have. I mean, I have bruises so almost constantly. So. Though. He got in everyone's face. Because I'm a peach. Yes, these bruises are from fighting. Yes, I'm okay with it. I'm enlightened. It's like, all right, fighting doesn't make you enlightened. It does make you bruised. It does make you bruised. Well, I think he means that it it makes everything else matter less. All the little all the little things you get pissed about. It does, because when someone's trying to strangle you to death, you forget about the yeah. fact that you have to buy a new car. <laughs> Just goes away. You have to buy a new car? That new Porsche is imperative? It is to my survival. Okay, just checking. All right, so the narrator is cleaning his clothes with a toothbrush while he hears some banging. The police call and say, hey, did you notice uh, that someone sprayed Freon in your lock and shattered the shiz? He's like, no, I was not aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, what? It's a lot to dump on me. Okay, but how would he have noticed? He was, one, out of town. Yeah. Two, not allowed back in his apartment. Yeah. Three, it exploded. Yeah. <laughs> and they tell him, hey, your, your apartment just didn't happen to blow up. Somebody blew up your apartment. Did you piss somebody off? He's like, what? <laughs> this is where you tell the police what your job is. And meanwhile, Tyler's behind him going, tell him. Tell him the truth. Tell him that you blew it up. That's what he wants to hear. And, well, he did. <laughs> well, he didn't know he did. Doesn't make a difference, I don't think. <laughs> that was after his psychotic break. Is this a psychotic break? I would say so. I think so. I think this is the definition of psychotic break. Okay. Like, hey, what happened? How do you know if you had a psychotic break? You ever watched Fight Club? <laughs> I feel like, though, oh, my God. I feel like we talked about this before on a previous episode when we were talking about multiple personalities. Well, that they haven't ever it's like, positively confirmed that it is right. tr- it has ever happened. Like, there are... What, an, an like, imaginary friend? It is, yes. it is like uh, we talked a little they bit about They can't it. prove or disprove it. They have no yeah, idea. It's from, like not... Right. We, t- we talked a little bit about it in Anime because there was a similar thing. Because yeah. if, if I, you know, if it was like, hey, I have an invisible friend. I feel friend, like we also talked about wrong. it in that one you're about the mental detail. hospital <laughs> with the creepy recordings. Oh. You're like, what are you talking yeah. about? Bob is, Robert Paulson yeah. is, you don't see Robert, Robert is right there. And there's people talk about how this is Calvin and Hobbes too. Like once he gets, when he grows up, he gets rid of Hobbes and then he makes Tyler to take the place of Hobbes. Like it's weird fan right. theory stuff. So. kind of Except for their, except for their jumping, Tyler and Marla were never in the same room. My parents did pull the same thing for years. He said humping though. Um, so back in the kitchen, Marla bring, comes down wearing uh, a wet, not a wedding dress, a bridesmaid dress. What? <laughs> the dog just put his face on me like, hey. His faces are hilarious. 
And Marla talks about um, bridesmaids' dresses being the condoms of our time. Somebody wore it once, loved it, and then discarded it. Like a condom. But I don't think that's true of bridesmaids' dresses. Wedding dresses, yes. But a bridesmaid's dress, 50-50. No People one ever, no one ever loves... Yeah, <laughs> I, feel like, I don't think I've ever seen a bridesmaid's dress that wasn't horrible. No, I think it's different Probably bridesmaid's dresses were great. Were they? There were. Sure were. Bridesmaids. <laughs> but I feel like there's a thing that happened in kind of the late 2000s where it became kind of like you just picked a color and all your bridesmaids got to pick the dress mm. instead of you picking out a breast that, a breast a dress that everybody wore you start just picking a color and they got to and choose they choose the style so, that flatters oh, them that's cool. i feel like that that had become a trend and is kind of a trend mm. now so like emily's wedding they all wore black but they all wore different dresses and i don't like the entire wedding industry you spend an absorbent amount yeah, of money of on a party with a funeral and the point of that is, is you get like one that fits you well Predatory. and then it works for this but you could yes. wear it yes. again but, you so spend so five grand like, on a dress you're gonna wear once but like that yellow dress i wore in andy's wedding you spent five grand yeah. on it. That was not necessary. I mean, it wasn't an ugly dress, and I don't mind yellow, but I mean, I did look like a baby duck. <laughs> what about photography or catering? Well, photography Well, if you want to order a cake, don't tell them it's for your wedding because there's exactly. a markup. Exactly. Now, I don't know why people don't make their own cakes. I mean, it's fucking I mean, We've had cake. those Nothing Month cakes, and they were delicious. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed taste text. Testing. I enjoy the taste testing too, except for the That's belt. why I think about just getting a dozen assorted. <laughs> I support that. Why don't you have that when you come over to podcast? We will next time. Because we're always in a hurry. It's always like, oh, I just got home. We gotta go. Oh, and, and the last like few they times, they were fantastic. The last few times I've come over, I'm like, hey, let's get donuts for all of us. And then we go and there's a line around fucking the donut place. <gasps> like, God damn it! What? There was a limited edition key lime pie donut, and I kept saying, oh, I want to go get donuts so I can get the limited edition key lime pie. And then John's like, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to end up forgetting it. I almost put a thing in my phone, and guess what? You For- forgot. I forgot. God damn it. It'll come back. The donuts available? that we you own go. end up the, owning you. We could go after this and get donuts if you I want. I got the other day a single serve key lime pie and <laughs> ate the whole thing. Well, <laughs> two thirds of it, I split it with Chael. He enjoyed it. Well, you should go get donuts <laughs> after this, and then you'll feel better. So Tyler shows up, and Marla leaves, and he tells her that she's trying to hit bottom, and he's like, and I'm not, and he goes, look, stick a feathers up your butt, does not make you a chicken, which I think is a very apropos um, thing for right now. You know? mm-hmm. you, people are like, you can be whatever you want, stick a feathers up your butt, does not make you a chicken. I'm going to start using that. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah. See, I don't know. I never really liked that line, but it, for some reason I liked it during this viewing. I was like, eh. "All right, what are we doing tonight? Tonight we make soap." Tell us full of useful information. To make soap, first we render fat. <laughs> it's like this is lye, and this is his chemical burn, and pours lye <laughs> on his hand. He kisses his hand to get the water, and then he pours lye on it. And fucking this chemical burn. It's gonna hurt worse than you've ever felt. And he's like, you cannot, he's like, you're going to panic, put water on it, and it'll make it worse. <laughs> this is your pain. Be here. Be in this moment. He's like, ooh, I'll, I work for cancer. I work here. Let me go to my uh, spirit case. <laughs> spirit he he smacks spirit him. Dead. No, be here. This, this reminds me of when you and Cross ate the world's hottest chip. It was very much like <laughs> and, I'm and I'm Googling how to counteract the chip. Lemonade. It was lime. Was it really lemon? It was, yeah. Lime. Lemon or lime. Citrus. 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 Orange juice. And I had, I think I had limeade at the time. Because I do like a good limeade. So, and during the whole thing. Helped so, way more than the milk. Our fathers were the model for God. If our fathers left, what does that say about God? God doesn't like you. <laughs> because God, for all intents and purposes, hates you. It's like, huh. 
Hayden Beck, it works for me. First, you have to know, not fear, that someday you're going to die. I've always preferred the Old Testament God. <sighs> God's a kid with an ant farm, kid. Huh? Huh? Anybody? Constantine. Damn. Yeah, it's a good, that's a good it's a, point. It's a good Any line. Good movie. But I've always preferred Old Testament God to New Testament God. Mm. <laughs> Didn't fuck around. If I'm picking a God. It's it only makes, when we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. It just, makes more sense, and we always put God in our own image. Just then, um, the narrator lets go, and Tyler doesn't have to hold his hand anymore. The narrator holds his hand out and lets it burn. And Tyler grabs some vinegar, pours it on the wound, and, and it doesn't burn anymore. Well, it probably still burns, but... I'm sure there's residual pain. Oh, yeah. But that's how different acids and bases and... Yeah, that's how that works. It's chemistry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. Yeah, don't friends. Listen to me. Put it don't on do, receipt. Don't, do don't put a fucking lie. lie on your hand. Don't, don't go. If someone says they have some lying, leave it alone. Let it lie. Unless He's you're making lying. soap, and then wear gloves. Then wear gloves. As if you're having sex with Marla. <laughs> Tyler sold soap to a department store for twenty dollars a bar. Who knows what they paid it for? We like the idea of selling rich women their fat asses back to them. This is upsetting by the fact, by the way that they use. Fat that they steal from a liposuction clinic. I love fancy handmade soaps. The fattest <laughs> And there is a part of me that will wonder every time I use one of these fancy handmade soaps if some of it is made with somebody's fucking what stomach matter? fat. It bothers me. I don't want to put Becky's butt so, on it's, my body. It's boiled and rendered, and you know, like. You can't worry I mean, about that kind of stuff. You know what you you get a thousand times worse just touching hey, the door you know handle. What fat, you know what fat you do get is the fat of like a steak? Does that bother you? No, it's, it's delicious. Okay, well, you know what? I'm not a cannibal. I don't know if you eat the soap. This isn't Snowpiercer. So the boss next comes into his office and is like, like, the first rule of that Fight Club is, is we don't talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is we don't talk Is this yours? And the narrator's like, I guess I changed your birthday pick. He says, I don't know, that's not mine, but the person who wrote that is crazy and threatens him. He says he's got to come with him with an Armalite uh, 15, which is AR-15. Yeah. I don't know it's why. Like crap, I left it I on the why, printer. He says, I don't know why I said Armalite, but he... I have left things on the printer at work before. Yeah. Anyway. The last time I went to print stuff at work, there was a thing about STDs on there. I was like, so, well, that's not mine. Well maybe, <laughs> well, maybe you don't bring me every little piece of trash you find. He snatches it from him and crumbles it up and throws it away. Yeah. Just then, Marla calls... And so they wanted to cut this scene because Columbine happened right before this came out. Mm. But they had to leave it in because at the end of the scene, Marla calls him. And it's kind of a pivotal thing. Yeah. So it's like, eh, well, shit, here we go. So Marla calls and says, my tit's going to rot off. And he says, excuse me, I need to take this. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he goes to her house and checks on her boobs. Does she have a lump? And she's like, I don't feel anything. She's like, oh, well, that's a relief. And she tries to get close to him. And he's like, are we done? Look, I can chest your, check your prostate for you. Thanks. He's, I'm good. And he leaves. And as he leaves, he runs outside and he runs into Bob. Bob's eating donuts, Krispy Kreme. Hmm. Bob is like Cornelius. <laughs> Cornelius. I haven't seen you in group. We thought like, you died. <laughs> I found another one. It's like, I found another one. And now, they, they were in a cancer group. This is it. a totally legitimate to, thing know, to think. it's so great. But my sisters and I were talking yesterday about how Aaron and I both switched high schools mm-hmm. when we were in high school. And both of us later saw people we had gone to the first high school with that told us they thought we died. Mm-hmm. Like, 
it's such a weird thing. Like, we just switched schools. But <laughs> Aaron did it over the summer, and people thought she died. <laughs> I did it in the middle, like, a, over a weekend. So that well, was more legitimate for me, I suppose. No thought <laughs> but... I mean, he was in a cancer group, and then he stopped showing up, so of course they thought he died. <laughs> I mean, if you're in a cancer support group and you stop going, everybody's going to assume you died. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the... Like Chloe. <laughs> um, so Bob's like, I got a new group, and the first was not supposed to talk about it. The second was not supposed to talk about it. And now it's like, look at my face. I'm a member. He goes, ooh, what day do you go? I go Tuesdays and Thursdays. When do you go? Saturdays. I didn't know He's they like, had Tuesday and Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, did you hear about the guy that invented this? He's a wonderful man. And that writer starts beaming yeah. pride. And he's like, do you know Tyler Durden? Like, oh. And I wrote, I'm Jack's jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we cut to Bob fighting the narrator. And of course, remember, he breaks the rule because he's wearing a shirt because Bob has bitch tits. Because yeah, they're full of birdseed. Yeah, <laughs> full, of, full of birdseed. And goes, good on, it would probably be distracting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And good on a meatloaf for being able to do all this stuff with 100 pounds of birdseed on. And... And he was good in this movie. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was great in this. It would probably be hard to find a Hollywood actor that had the correct physique that they were looking for. Oh, no, no. Because they're not going to employ somebody that has that physique. Because yeah. it's Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are people that have that, especially people who've lost a lot of they weight. They would have to do it Dude. now. Yeah. And plus, it's cool to see Meatloaf in something. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it? Yes. I mean, He's Meatloaf. Seen him? Wayne's World. Uh... I mean, Rocky Horror. I would do anything for love video. Yeah, but those are what? Five seconds? I won't do... No, that video is forever, dude. It's like a 10-minute <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, Bob beats his ass, and then they walk out together, and he's like, I hope I didn't hurt you. And he goes, actually, Bob, you did. Yeah. <laughs> but he um, likes Bob, so... Yeah, it's all right. Like, and like Elaine said, they don't care if they win or lose. It's just that you have to fight. Yeah. It's conditioning. So, cut to uh, Tyler says, I look around, I see a lot of new faces. And people say, he goes, shut up. Y'all are breaking the rules. <laughs> There's two rules. Tyler gives a great speech. Our great depression is our lives. And then Lou shows up. Who the fuck is this? Uh, well, we have an agreement with, what's his name? Oh, fuck, you guys name right there. Uh, the bartender or the a, manager? He's in the hospital with yeah. a broken boats, collarbone. Boats. Boats. We have an agreement Outside. with boats with boats. And he's like, well, the sign says, Lou's Tavern. I'm fucking Lou. And he goes, ah. He goes, who's getting paid for this? He goes, it's actually free. You should join our club. He goes, isn't that something? He goes, it is actually. It is actually. <laughs> Which is true. Yeah. It's like he's got a big group with all these people and no one's paying anything. That's actually phenomenal. And Lou's like, well, you're not going to be doing this, so get out of here. And he's like, oh, Lou. And he stands there and lets Lou beat him up. Okay. Can we? This is where I want to bring up Brad Pitt's laugh in this movie. But it, we're not done yet. That laugh is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so as <laughs> Lou, it's one of the fakest fake laughs ever, and it is insane. So he hits him and goes, "Do you get it?" And he's like, "Yeah, I got it." And he goes, "Oh shit, I lost it." So Lou beats him up and he's standing over and he's pummeling him and he's laughing. And he keeps saying, "You should join. You would like it." He's like, "Come on, Lou. Ah, Lou." And then tackles him and is bleeding on him while you his buddy. You don't know where I've been. And he's like, <laughs> "You ah, don't know where I've been." And if I'm that guy in the back, usually fight him. I'm like, "I don't know where he's been, man." And he's just bleeding all You're into his get... mouth and down his nose. And he's like, and "Fine, and you like... can use the baby." And he goes, "I want your word, Lou. Give me your word." He goes, "On my mother's eyes." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lou. I mean. You, Lou seems like he would enjoy Fight Club, but... Um, Lou doesn't need it. At the same time, 
the you don't know where I've been bleeding all over you is the most terrifying thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Tyler is now smoking and bleeding. He gives everybody homework. He goes, I want you all to go out this week. You're going to get into a fight. And you're going to lose. And this is where we... pick a fight with a stranger. Some total stranger. And lose. And lose. And we cut okay. the people trying to get into fights. And you, this is where you find it. Like, most people hard. will do anything to not get into and a fight. Right. I was like, this seems like the most relatable thing. The people will do, will not, that it's harder than you think to yeah. start a fight. And the priest... Was almost my favorite tertiary object <laughs> because not which time, but during this where he tries to get a fighter when he joins Fight Club. When he joins Fight Club, yeah, because it's so hilarious to me that the priest joins the Fight Club that I almost picked that as my favorite tertiary object. <laughs> because I love that dude just hitting people with the hose to try He's to so pick so <laughs> Bob's at like I don't know like an airport or something and he's chasing people and no one wants anything to do with him (laughs) chases a dude down on a bike nobody will fight him but my favorite of all the go out and loser fights is the narrator so the narrator goes into his boss's office and says we need to talk and he's like yes we do and the narrator punches himself in the face and the then throws like, himself all, all the over. These are things that you're doing that I have a problem with. It's such a strange, like, we need to talk. He's like, okay, let's talk about all the ways you yeah. suck. You're, <laughs> he goes, you're a terrible employee. You're late and all this stuff. And he goes, that's cool. Anyways, I want you to pay me. I know everything about this that's bad about this company, and I'm going to tell everybody unless you pay me this and that. And he goes, yeah, we're not doing that. He goes, no, I have another right. <laughs> so another then he option. beats himself up, and he throws himself into glass. And smashes himself all over. is able to put his blood on his boss's hands yeah. as people enter the room. Just and it looks like his boss beat his ass. He says, please don't hit me anymore. <laughs> so as he walks oh. out, he's like, now we have corporate sponsorship. <laughs> He's got fax machines and computers and stuff. He's just taking it with him. He's got like a shopping cart. It's obviously the mailroom cart. But we haven't (laughs) seen a mailroom cart this elaborate since The Secret of My Success, (laughs) which was in the 80s. And I think he just would have went and sued him now and been like, okay, you know what, now we're good. Because he would have got, he's getting his paychecks, but he would have got a lot more. How do they stop these people from whistleblowing? (laughs) What people? Fight club people? Okay, no. Oh, Just the... anybody who knows too much. They're, they're, like, <laughs> like with the GM thing. That's a real thing that happened. Well, this is real now. things. Yeah, but an NDA that really doesn't, like, with Snowden. Like, how do you stop these people from legitimately whistleblowing integrity when they know too and, much? Integrity and fear. NDAs? If I have integrity, then I'm not keeping quiet about all the I'd people. I'd really hate for something to happen to your children. I mean, fear, yes, but Edward Norton doesn't have any kids. The narrator, he barely has a Marla. <laughs> Maybe they make sure that they hire someone who has something to lose in these positions. Because all, it's like, hey, I'd really hate for the brake lines of your daughter's bike to but it does go make out. You, that would be tragic. It does make you wonder sometimes, how do they keep these It's like the turtles silent? from um, I Blue Heaven. I hey, don't Mrs. think Stubbs, I can keep work silent. <laughs> Although I probably find out your wife the turtles would be a real disappointment for them to find out. <laughs> That might be part of the hiring process when they a lot of jobs used to make you do personality tests. They're trying to find the person who Maybe. doesn't give a fuck, who's not I, going to tell, because they don't have, have that moral obligation. They make you sign an NDA. If you, so anyway, if you I report it, all kinds of things to HR. And <laughs> yeah, I am. So this fight, for some reason, reminded him of his first fight with Tyler. Mm, shocking. Because <laughs> it was against nobody. Because <laughs> he beat his own ass again. But this time we really got to watch him just punch himself. Yeah. So now they can have Fight Club every night. I'm Jack's wasted life. 
he so, not having Fight Club every night anyway? No. Well, That's I mean, why he was surprised on top Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, but after he found out about Tuesdays and Thursdays, I feel like he went multiple nights. Uh, but well, also, nights. I feel like Tyler wasn't at Tuesday and Thursday either because all these people don't know what he looks like or who he is. So I feel like he wasn't going... Because nobody knew who he was. <laughs> so now after Fight Club, Tyler's well, handing out sealed envelopes. Looks like Brad Pitt, not somebody looks like Edward Norton. And this is the beginning of Project Mayhem. Tyler and Nara to talk about all the new Fight Clubs that have sprung up while they're going and completing some missions. They're hitting cars with baseball bats to, to get the um, airbags to deploy. And the last car they hit is a Volkswagen Beetle. Because the Beetle was the sign of the 60s and counterculture. And around the 90s, it was totally culture. And I heard also Pitt and Orton, Norton hated that car that it, when it came out. So they're like, we're cool hitting this thing. Well, there was a big thing that came out about Volkswagen that they lied about their emissions. Yeah. So that it would pass American that. EPA laws. Yeah. So Tyler has a new homework assignment. And he goes, what's that? Pulls out a gun. Human sacrifice. He goes into a store and gets um, Russell, whatever his name is. Russell K something. And he's like, Russell, give me your wallet. And he has, he puts him on his knees and he says, I'm going to kill you. You have to be a closed casket because there's nothing left of your face. He goes, ah, expired community college ID. What'd you study in college there, Russell? He's like, stuff. stuff. What kind of stuff? Biology and stuff. Well, why'd you want to do that? Uh, I want to be a veterinarian. And why did you do it? Too much school. He goes, well, if you're not back, I'm going to come and see you because I have your address. And if I'm, in six weeks, if you're not on your way to be a veterinarian, I'm going to kill you. And the guy runs away, and the arrow's like, that was fucked up. He goes, that's the best day of this guy's life. No. Tomorrow the breakfast will be taste better than anything you and I will ever eat. I don't think so. <laughs> and then he sees the guns empty. Mm-hmm. And we get the Brad Pitt, you're not your job. You're not much money you have. You're not your car. You're not your fucking khakis. Unless they're drawstring. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said it with his eyes. Well, he said, you're not in fucking khakis, but he didn't say, not your drawstring khakis. Right, because he knows. He knows. He was wearing drawstring khakis when he said that. So, Marla and the narrator talk in the kitchen, and she says, don't worry, I'm going to be leaving soon, because she's, like, washing up and getting ready to leave. He tells her she doesn't have to, and she tells him that Chloe died. He's like, oh, Chloe, I haven't talked about Chloe in a while. And he's like, hey, Marla, what are you getting out of this? Is this making you happy? And she's like, sometimes. Why does a weak person have to latch on to a stronger person? And she's like, well, what are you getting out of this? And he's like, that's not the same thing. You know, uh, we're not, it's not like that with us. And she's like, what do you mean with you guys? <laughs> so he's like, um, he's referring to us and we's and stuff. <laughs> and all of a like, sudden, I don't know what you're talking about. All of a sudden he hears a clanging and banging and opens the door to downstairs and he sees Tyler's like, what are you doing? He's like, you're not talking to her about me, are you? No. She's like, hold on, I want to talk to you about this. And now Tyler and the narrator both say this conversation is over. And she he, just leaves. She's like, you're fucking weird. <laughs> she's not wrong. She so, knew that when she got involved with him. Yeah. Because they were both lying in groups. <laughs> and this is a person she met who was faking dying. Uh-huh. <laughs> just like her. pretending to have sickle cell anemia. Which. As a white guy. But. <laughs> she was pretending to have testicular cancer. Yeah, and as a girl. <laughs> and she, and but she was kind of like, when she stole, like, the meals from the Meals on Wheels, she is in poverty and is poor and is doing these and things. And she says they're both dead or they both died. Like, so. <laughs> but like I kind of understand like if she was going to groups so she could get the free food and the free coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's and she's a terrible person. So yeah, it's cheaper than a movie. But also if I'm starving and in poverty 
and I can eat these stale donuts and have a cup of coffee, and that might be the only the only meal I eat today. Yeah. Like it's more understandable. It seems less awful than him who's just going there so he can cry and Bob's bitch tits so he can sleep at night. <laughs> so the narrator goes downstairs to see what Tyler's doing. He's like, "Hey, what are we doing with with fucking bunk beds? Why do we have bunk beds? So we go to the porch and we see there's an applicant on the porch. He's like, "Hey, you you can't train here." Sorry, man, it's not going to happen. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Oh, this guy young. might be Paul Rudd. I was like, is that Paul he Rudd? He kind of does look like Paul Rudd. It's discount Paul Rudd. Yeah, it is. Um, he's like, if, uh, hey, if the applicant's too young, tell him he's too young. He's too old, too old, too fat, too fat. <laughs> and he's like, sooner or later, we all did what Tyler wanted us to do. And it's... <laughs> and it, now it flashes to the narrator, tell him, get the fuck out of here. You can't train here. And he's like, sorry, friend, you're trespassing. If you don't leave soon, I'm going to have to call the police. And my favorite is the narrator has a broom. Also and he's my favorite. Hitting him in the also ass and he goes, favorite. get off my porch. Go I'm going inside. I'm going to find myself a shovel. I love that part too. Well, I love the strong word, but also my favorite. So then Tyler and the narrator come out and the applicant and now Bob is there. And he says, uh, he asks him, hey, do you have a, you know, was it $50 worth of personal button, burial money? Two pairs of black jeans, player black boots. Black, okay. jacket, black jacket. All right, go on in. Looks at Bob and says, sorry, you're too old, fat man. And Bob goes to leave. And, 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 and the narrator's like, no, 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 stay here. It's like, Bob, Bob, this is part of the thing. How weird is that for Bob? <laughs> Bob is on the porch. What's up with them? You know, they're like, hey, man, they kinda, that's fucking nutballs. It's, hey, it's Tyler. Yeah. So we cut to the afternoon shaving his head. Um, like a space monkey. Mm-hmm. Shot out of a cannon, slaps him back of the head. So we cut to uh, all these new members, and they're cleaning up the house. It's about fucking time. Someone is. And uh, Tyler they has... They get out of the, the water out of the basement that they're sleeping in. Don't worry about that. So, <laughs> they're, pumps. Yeah, they're cleaning up the house, and Tyler has a megaphone. He's telling them, you guys are not special. You're going to die and be madder like anything else, which is true. Yeah. Well, they needed to hear that. Yeah, people are like, oh, I'm unique. Like, our, this current generation, everybody thinks they're somebody. This generation is like, nobody is anything. Well, we all are super special snowflakes, and we're all snow. And do you think you move down? Like, you're each unique, <laughs> but you're all the same. But you're all just snow. That's the fun about snowflakes, is they're each unique, but all just crystallized water. You like the get-along game. Each one's so special in its own way. So anyway, the narrator comes to find that Tyler and some of his acolytes uh, had vandalized a downtown building. And on the news, the lady who reports it is evidently hanging out with, is like dating Jeff Bezos, which is supposed to be interesting. Mm. It's not. It's supposed to be. I didn't say it was going to be. And I confirmed it's not, though. And they say that it's related to underground boxing rings. I don't know how they (laughs) got there with with the giant vandalized smiley faces. Like, yep, underground boxing rings, got to be. Well, there's a lot of people talking about Fight Club. Whoa! They're breaking the first two rules of Fight Club. Yeah, a lot of them are talking about Fight Club, so I would... So we cut to Project Mayhem at a Project Hope meeting. And they grab the official and they bring him into the bathroom and they mask Isn't up. the police chief? Yeah. But they're at a Project Hope meeting. This is Project Mayhem. And they tell him, you're going to cut call off your investigation into Project Mayhem. Because we are the ones who keep you safe while you sleep. We haul you trash. We cook your food. Do not fuck with us. <laughs> and they pull his pants down. And Bob says his balls are ice cold. And they put a rubber, rubber band, band around his nuts. So they can cut them off easier. <laughs> and they pull out a knife. 
and they cut the rubber band like fooled you and throw it at his face, trying to get him to call off. That would work on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They work on most, most guys. Like, we're good. This always makes me think of Ralph Nader. They cut off his balls? No, because oh, one of something. his big things is that 1% of a group can change. If 1% of the group is vocal, that's all you need to make change. And that's a lot of, like with Ralph Nader, he got a lot of safety things passed seat and, and seatbelts. He's, that's what he's famous for. And he, you know, he's involved politically because of these things to stand up his grassroots things. But statistically, if 1% of a group makes a fuss, it will cause change, <laughs> which is interesting. So when you, when you hear these, when you see these big protests, you ha- and it makes me think, well, it's not even 1% because nothing changes. And if it really was 3 or 4 or 5% of the population, that's how actual change happens. Well, that and which is, the and problem with po- protests is that there's too many of them. When you have a protest once every 10 years, it's a big deal. When you have one every week, no one cares. I know. But this, the interesting, the reason this makes me think about it is because they tell this guy we are everywhere. Well, a lot of people. And if you fuck with, and not to fuck with them, because if we decide that we want to fuck with you, you cannot stop us. A lot of people do, like it's a thing now. It's trendy to be protesting, and because they do it all the time, you'll see them. They'll go and they're like, they're protesting, blah blah blah, and then the guys are cool, and they walk up, hey, so tell me about what you're protesting. Oh, I'm just here because it's fun. Some so is yeah. here. Well, what do you think about what I don't? I don't know. Like, okay, so, so it's just it's just like hanging out. It's yeah. PCU. Mm-hmm. How topical that movie still is. Yeah, we're gonna do it on the podcast, I'm sure. All right. So as they leave, the narrator sees Tyler, and he's giving attention to Angel Face, and he's Jack's jealousy about his fictional buddy liking somebody. His imaginary friend likes somebody better yeah. than him. So we cut to the narrator fighting Angel Face, and he fucks him up bad he yeah. fu- he's no longer angel face we now call him the blonde guy <laughs> and so after the fight tyler's like get him to a hospital he's like what the fuck was that he goes i want to destroy something beautiful and they go outside and uh, a tenant comes up and he says uh long-term parking mr durden and if you notice he's not looking at edward norton i mean he's not looking at brad yeah. pitt he's looking at edward norton this is another one of those little clues I didn't notice until I read it in the trivia and then watched the movie. <laughs> Recently. I don't think I'll notice even after this. Just if it comes up. So now they're in the car. And Tyler's driving and the narrator's in the passenger seat and there's two Project Mayhem guys in the back. And he says, the first rule of Project Mayhem is you do not ask any questions. And he's like, shut up to the guys in the back of their... Because they think that he's talking to them because right. there's no one else in the car. <laughs> and they're getting confused and he's yeah. getting pissed. Well, I don't think they can even hear what Edward Norton is saying. No, so right, all they see is one person talking. And Tyler's like, you and me, this doesn't belong to you and me. We are not special. And Tyler's like, you're just afraid to hit rock bottom. And let's go with the wheel. The guys in the back are freaking the fuck out. Meanwhile, the narrator's holding the wheel and it's like, how would you feel about your life if you died right now? He goes, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't feel too good about it. And he's like, you've got to let go. Hey guys in the back If you died What do you wish you had done Paint a house Make a cake Or something Make a self portrait Make a Paint a self portrait Build Build a house house. I was like That's a weird choice I mean hey Hey that's what they want to do Hey life is a house (laughs) This is everything This is like And this is why I blew up your condo And he just wants him to let go 
So Tyler leaves the narrator alone. And let's go. And they get in <laughs> and the car accident. And they go. <laughs> and they let go. And they, Tyler puts a seatbelt on and the car flips over. So now this is another one of those things. You notice that Tyler gets out of the passenger side. He was driving. <laughs> and we cut to the narrator in the house. And Tyler's like, all right, just rest easy there, hummingbird. I'll be back. And he wakes up and Tyler is gone. He goes to Tyler's room and we see all the human sacrifices behind the door. Yeah, that's weird. Holy fuckballs, Mom. Mm-hmm. He's been messing with a lot of guys. Tyler, I mean, the narrator looks throughout also, the house and sees all Tyler's of his new space monkeys. Tyler's room looks like nothing but paperwork storage. <laughs> it might be. I know, which I thought was funny. Um, he finds Project Mayhem is in full force. Um, he is Jack's broken heart. First, uh, his parents left him, and now Tyler did. Marla shows up, and the narrator tells her that Tyler isn't here. Tyler went away. And she's like, what? <laughs> Tyler gone. He's like, I don't even, I can't even with you. <laughs> you are just crazy. Yeah. Yep. So Marla leaves, and the Project Mayhem monkeys show up and with Bob. And they're like, they were, we were doing a thing. We we're destroying a piece of modern art and a coffee bar. Now, notice in the movie, there are a lot of Starbucks references. There's a lot of Starbucks. They talk about it. There's Starbucks cups everywhere, but not in this scene where that's clearly a Starbucks. Starbucks is like, you are not doing that to a Starbucks. No. So the modern art goes into like some random bullshit coffee. Coffee chain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we all know. But we all know it was Starbucks. And so they're like, yeah, well, we were blowing this up, and the police came and shot at us. And he's like, no shit, you fucking yeah, morons. You what do you think back? was going to happen? No, these fucking pigs, they fucking shot at us. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> you were blowing up a fuck. What did you think was going to happen? They're all, they, like, don't get it. Like, I don't understand why these cops shot at us. Like, are you serious? Because it's major ball could have killed any number of people. Because they said, stop or we'll shoot, and you didn't stop. Although I'm pretty sure the cops could not shoot at you. I don't know. I don't have that information. But Bob got shot in the head. And so the narrator pulls his his hat off. and His ski mask. Half his head is missing. Yeah, Yeah, it's gone. And they're like, all right. And... Blondie's like, all right, we got to bury him in the in the garden. Yeah, and they're like, no, you're not going to bury him. He's a evidence. person. He's had a name. Yeah, we got to get rid of the evidence. His he's name. Like, he's not evidence. He's a person. He's a friend of mine. His name is Robert Paulson. And one of the guys is like, I get it. And in death, it's what's his you name. You get a name because they were like the losers. They were yeah. like, in we Mom don't hunters. have names. Once you're in Project Mayhem, you don't have a name. And he's he's like, no, in, he has a name. And this is one of the first hard times that you learn is. And I think it's hilarious. Is is whoever Tyler narrator, whatever you want to call him, he started he started to build this movement that's so powerful he can't stop it, right. and he's starting to see little pieces of that now, and and he's just starting to realize that fuck he can't stop eighty million people that want to fucking do this, and it's scary to him. Mm-hmm. And they just they just work out whatever they need to keep going. It's it, they won't let it go. So the narrator runs to Tyler's room and sees all of the used plane tickets, and. The police call is like, hey, <laughs> I need to Tyler see you right Durden's now. Name. And he hangs up. Yeah, and all the tickets are in Tyler Durden's name, which is another one. Oh, hey, look at that. Um, so he goes to all the places where the plane tickets were to try to find Tyler. The guy was busy sending franchises all over the country. It seems like he just keeps missing them. Was Tyler my bad dream or was I his? The hunt for Tyler continues and he feels like he's always one step behind. And But everybody is like... 
hello again. <laughs> and it's a problem because half the people he talks to are like, they won't break character. And the other half are like, break character, but they you're give like, him a little wink. Is he like, a test? And he's like, I can't, like, it's not a test. He can't penetrate this fucking terrorist organization. One guy's he like, he's like, have you seen him? And he's like, even if I had said information about you, I wouldn't give information that I had. And he looks at him and goes, you're a moron. You're a moron. <laughs> and then he hears, his name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson, and we see there's a dead guy, and we find the bartender with uh, the halo. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's like, Welcome back, sir. And he's like, Do you know me? He's like, Is this a test? He's like, No, this is not a test. He goes, We were here last week. You asked about security. How does the drum, sir? He goes, You gave me this, he's and like, it's another lie burn. I have not been here. <laughs> he's like, Do you think you know me? He goes, Yes, sir. You're Mr. Durden. <gasps> Why do people think I'm Tyler Durden? So back in the hotel room, he calls Marla. He's like, Marla, have we ever done it? It's like, what? Do you ever we have sex or we're making love? But we have made love. I mean, you love me, you hate me. You're hot, you're cold. You're yes and you're no. You're in, then you're out. That's what I was kidding. And he's like, so, so that's a yes. We have done it. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, say my name. She's like, Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden. And just in psycho. <laughs> And just then, Tyler shows up. You broke your promise. You talked to her about me. And now he shaved he's his head. He's like, not really. I was talking to her about me. <laughs> yeah, and now he shaved his head, which I don't understand what that is supposed to mean. Everybody yeah. else shaved their head as they became more Not more angel changed. face. Or n- no longer angel face. Former face yeah, of Yeah, I guess angels. He, he's not quite a shaved head. He has, he has the... He still has the... <laughs> so why would anybody confuse you for me? You know why. Come on. Say it. Come on. Because we're the same person. Exactamundo. Sorry, that was... And we see flashes of him being Tyler. Right, so now we get the flashes of all the time that it was Tyler. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you, you're talking to me. Others, you're, you pretend that you're watching. You, you're pretending that you're watching me. Other times, you're being me. Mm-hmm. I'm all the things you want to be. I look the way you look. I fuck the way you want to fuck. I'm everything you want. Capable I in all the ways that you are not. What is he doing that is... <laughs> and then you see flashes of Edward Norton in like stealth gear yelling at the guys as they're rappelling down the building and setting yeah, it on yeah. fire like he's involved in all this shit he just he's can't like, remember you are not your fucking khakis yeah, you keep everything straight because mm-hmm. he's fucking nuts just then the narrator passes out it's called a changeover he's, he's dealing with a lot mm-hmm. his brain has shut down like you know what you, we'll take it from here you, you take you, a break buddy <laughs> so Siesta. um so the narrator runs, and he runs, and he runs. He has to get home, because he's concerned that he's Marla concerned. is in danger. Because, because, now... because Tyler told him, she knows too much, mm-hmm. and we need to tie up that loose end. Yeah. So has, have I been going to bed earlier? Have I been Tyler more and more? The yes. narrator is on the hunt again. He finds out that Tyler and Project Mayhem are planning to blow up some buildings, some credit card companies. And friends, just so you know, if you blow up all the credit card companies in your city, your debt doesn't go away. <laughs> not even in 1999. That's not how that works. But there's a lot of shit in this. That, and, and the book does a better job of this, is at the end, because it builds this big narrative that Tyler's this fucking, this narrator is Tyler's a fucking genius, and they got all this shit worked out, and da, da, da. And at the end of the book, they, they don't do it as well in the movie, but at the end of the book, they go... No, <laughs> this is stupid. It's all wrong. And, and as you'll see at the end in the book, the bombs don't go off because he doesn't know how to make fucking bombs. He's a stupid ass, whatever the hell he is, risk I, assessor or whatever. He doesn't know how to make bombs out of fucking orange juice and gasoline. I feel like in 99, this made more sense. 
because we still didn't understand yeah. the internet and how the so digital people thought Y2K was going to... Yeah, and we, there was legit <laughs> concerns about Y2K and that the whole digital era would crash because we just didn't understand yeah. how... Like, the normal person didn't understand how this all worked. But, like, my grandpa, my dad's dad, worked with computers his whole life. Like, he had one of those early Apple computers in the fucking 80s mm-hmm. that were the size of a desk. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I remember people being freaked out about Y2K, but not being freaked out because there were people in my life that understood yeah. it and were not concerned, so I was not concerned. Mm-hmm. But, like, the average person did not understand how they... Well, like, the it had already it grown up. bigger than what the average person's understanding was. And the media played it up because that's what the media does. It and plays they didn't, they up, also it plays didn't up scary quite stuff understand how it all worked at that time either. Clicks. Like now we realize that if my banking website went down, that doesn't mean that my bank went down. Yeah. <laughs> or And we understand that credit card companies have multiple servers where they store your information. And even if it was like, what, Die Hard 4 where you do the fire, the, sale. The fire sale, like that's not, yeah. it's grown more exactly. than that. So he goes to see Marla, and they go to a restaurant, and she's sir. like, hey, you know, I'll buy you a lunch here. Just give me 15 seconds. And 15 seconds later, there's a bell goes off. And the server comes up. He's got a black guy, and he's like, you don't have to pay for anything. You can eat whatever you want for And free, she's sir. like, fine. And she orders a bunch of stuff, and he's like, clean food only. You may not want to have that clam chowder. I would no advise the lady against the chowder. <laughs> and she's like, he says, I know I've been kind of, you know, difficult. She says, you're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Jackass. Which is a great line. Mm-hmm. He says, I really like you, Marla, but your life is in danger. She's, she likes him, but needs says he needs professional help. She dumps him and says, I don't want to see you ever again. And he's like, cool. Yeah. Excellent. Get on this bus. Take this money. And don't ever see me again. Don't let me see where you're going. Just stay out of major cities. Go fucking camping. And she says, Tyler, I wish I never met you. As if Marla would ever go camping. Yeah. But then the, <laughs> then the cool part is, is when she gets on the bus, she starts to walk towards the back. And if you watch all these shaved head people stand up around her and you're like, oh. Yeah. Got her. Yeah. Marla is a lady in poverty who is always dressed up. Her hair looks bananas, but she's always in some sort of dress. Well, she buys, <laughs> she buys stuff from thrift stores. Store, so. She bought that dress for a dollar. I buy stuff in the thrift store too, but... Right, right. Are you buying uh, dresses? Her hair specifically was in the running for least favorite character. <laughs> so she had the makeup... She had the makeup artist put everything on with her left hand because Marla wouldn't be good at putting on makeup. That's why her makeup isn't great. But so, it's just one of those things that makes me say she would never camp. Even though her life is not great and she wouldn't even know how to go camping. Yeah. So the narrator goes to the police department to confess that he's a member he's the leader of a terrorist organization. They're planning to blow up the credit card companies. So the lead detective is like, I'm gonna go check on all this. You guys watch. The same guy that was investigating the explosion in his apartment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, the detectives there are like Grande Grande Huevos, mi amigo. Now we will chop them off. This is very brave of you, sir. He's like, oh, shit. And they hold him down and get out the... The rubber band. The rubber band. They're going to cut his balls off. Right there in the interrogation room. Yeah, they're not in court. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So then he grabs one of the police officer's guns. He's like, back up. He goes, back up. Get out of here. He's like, I'm ordering you. And they're like, we knew you would say that. You told us. I'm Tyler Durden. You you definitely said you would say that, sir. So then he tells him, you guys stay here. First person comes out of this room is getting a lead salad. (laughs) Lead salad. That is a great line, too. 
I feel like that's one of those improvised lines that yeah, he just kind of got away from. It was like, he walked up and was like, lead silent? So the narrator runs to the addresses that were supposed to be um, exploded, and he finds, um, while he's on the way, Tyler's there, and Tyler's taunting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets to one of the vans. It's filled with homemade dynamite, mm-hmm. basically, liquid nitri- or nitroglycerin. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you don't even know anything about bombs. He goes, if you know, I know. He's like, don't don't pull the green wire. Anything but the green wire. So he pulls the green wire and it stops the bomb. And it's like, I told you not to pull the green wire. And then he punches him out of the van. And attaches the green wire back up. So like, okay. I love the fight scene here where we flash between them fighting and, and Edward Norton by himself. And the yeah. security cameras, yeah. So before that, um, the narrator shoots him. And he goes, could you not shoot your imaginary friend in front of 100 <laughs> gallons of nitroglycerin? Which is really good advice. I mean. <laughs> and then the narrator actually does shoot Tyler. But he looks, and it doesn't have any effect on him. Yeah. Because. He doesn't believe it. He's not real. <laughs> yeah. So then Tyler beats the bejesus out of him, and it cuts to Tyler beating him up. And the, the security camera. drags him down the hall by his collar. That is interesting. I was like, how did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> crab walk, I guess. And so Tyler throws him down a flight of stairs where he jumps, however yeah, you yeah. want to believe it. And we cut back to Tyler with a gun in his mouth, and he's sitting in that chair. And he goes, any last words? And he goes, I still can't think of anything. Ah, flashback, flashback humor. Which, do you have last words? Um... Stay gold, pony boy. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, don't. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I never have thought about it. I did that to him on Oculus. I feel yeah. like if yeah. I was, someone was threatening to murder me and said, do you have any last words? I want to believe that my last words would be, fuck, and you. <laughs> no, they, they would the be tremor, so Kevin Bacon. <laughs> perhaps the tremors fuck you. Fuck <laughs> you. But I don't think I would ever, I, I, in reality though, I don't think I'd be able to think of anything. <laughs> And so the narrator asks Tyler, hey, is she here? And he's like, tying up loose ends. Mm. Tyler tells him that he needs he needs him. Hey, I'm not some loser who created an alter ego. You are. He's like, oh, just 60 seconds left. And then when the narrator goes, wait a minute, the gun's not in your hand. It's in my hand. And Tyler's like, oh, shit. Oh, well. It doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> really... What are you going to do about it? It's like, good for you. It doesn't change a thing. So he puts the gun to his head and he goes, now why would you want to put a gun to your head? He goes, not... not my head. Our, Our head, head, Tyler. Yeah, interesting. Where are you going with this? I- Ikea boy. <laughs> <laughs> Hurtful, but okay. <laughs> says it's just you and me, friends. Tyler, I want you to listen to me. Really listen. My eyes are open. And the narrator shoots himself in the head. Yeah. And this kills Tyler because he's like, what's that smell? And his head is smoking. But the narrator but the, just kind of goes through his it cheek. It goes through his cheek. Um... I don't think this is how you kill your imaginary friend. <laughs> it, it is. I don't think yeah, the part of works. the brain that creates imaginary friends is located in your cheek. But <laughs> he also, believes it. Also, gross. His conviction, his conviction was strong enough was that he upsetting. tried to kill someone. It was very upsetting. It was enough to kill Ty. Just then, the Project Mayhem guy show up with Marla, and they're like, with Sir, Marla? you don't look so good. He's like, oh, Marla oh. and beer. <laughs> well, they're going to watch the explosions watch, together. Yep, beer, popcorn, and Marla. <laughs> so he tells... The guys, all right, leave her with me and grab your stuff and go downstairs. And as he's leaving, he goes, that's one tough motherfucker. The last himself. guy, he goes, um, and some gauze. <laughs> <laughs> see, see if you can find some gauze. 
Because she's like, oh my God, Tyler. Oh shit, what happened to your face? <laughs> Marla, you met me at a very strange time in my life. And the buildings explode. One by one, they all start to fall. And then the pixies, where's my mind, start to play. And that is Fight Club. Except for the giant penis at the end. Yeah. I didn't. Post-credit penis. I scene. didn't need the post-credit. All right, so let's go. But I know the probably like this the least. I'll start with Tony. Why? He, because he likes this the most. I think he's trying to get the worst. I want to end on a good note, so you go. All right, fine. Fine, 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 fine. Oh, I should say it like that. Um, <laughs> fine, fine, fine. My favorite character is Marla. <laughs> really? Okay. the checks. That is intriguing. My least favorite character are the cops that were going to cut off his balls in the interrogation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit rough. Like, somebody's at least going to hear him screaming. At least. My favorite scenes are where they show, like, that last fight scene between him and Tyler where we see mm-hmm. him fighting Security himself. footage and stuff. And I like, yeah, anytime they go back and show us him. He hands the drink to nobody and it shatters. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my favorite line is you met me at a very strange time of my life and my favorite tertiary object is the airplane emergency procedures now in the beginning they were all docile the ones they replaced and they replaced them with the panicky ones and I I'm gonna maybe this movie more than I thought I got it not because I like it (laughs) it's very unpleasant Hmm. and I would happily never see it again but I recognize that it's a good movie. I just... You enjoy the story. I do not, not enjoy this movie, and I don't find watching it to be a pleasant experience. Well, I'll never make you do it again. Elaine? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. My favorite character um, was Dramatic very... pause. ...was very difficult for me. I'm going with Tyler's bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> with the coffee cups on it? With the Bob. coffee cups. That is a cool bathrobe. And I don't... At like, one point, he has fuzzy slippers. <laughs> I don't like any of the characters in this movie. I don't care for any of these people. <laughs> but I really enjoy the fact that the evil character... Well, he's not evil, but the bad guy wears this bathrobe all over the place. Mm-hmm. And is not afraid to wear this bathrobe around the house in front of Project Mayhem. <laughs> I just... This bathrobe, it's a character. I like it. My mm-hmm. least favorite character character is Marla <laughs> because although I sympath- I have a lot of sympathy for this character she is does not have the excuse of being a lunatic to be a piece of trash <laughs> so I don't like her um, but I do like Helen and Barbara Carter uh, my favorite scene is homework alright I like when they're doing homework I love the bit with the hose. I like them trying to start the fights. I yeah. like when they get excited to watch the footage of them making the fire happy face. Also good on them doing the targeted fire. Um, <laughs> I like when they destroyed the not Starbucks. I just, I like homework. Um, my favorite tertiary object is the fountain that they use, that they destroy the modern art from mm-hmm. when they destroy the, the franchise. I just, it's a really cool fountain. It didn't need the giant, it was cool with the giant ball, cool without the giant ball. I like a nice fountain, and they don't put fountains in public places the way they used to. You know what I really miss? Mall fountains. Mm. When we were in Tampa and went to the mall, 
They had a fountain. It was very mm. exciting because they just don't put fountains in malls anymore. In breakfast shop. My favorite line, um, I'm going to go with, you are now firing a gun at your imaginary friend near 400 gallons of nitroglycerin. Because it makes me laugh. It's a good line. Um, I'm going to give this movie a maybe. I'll take it. <laughs> because I don't like this movie and I don't altogether understand the discourse around this movie. But I do think it's interesting to talk about. And there are interesting parts of this movie. Like, I don't dislike this movie, but I don't like it either. I'm very <laughs> ambivalent, and therefore, I'm going to give it a maybe. All right. Tell me. My favorite character is Tyler Durden, mm-hmm. and my least favorite character is Tyler Durden. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite scene is uh, is uh, when Lou comes to the place, and he drowns him in his own blood to make him let him use it. My favorite line is, there's too many in this movie for me to pick one but if i have to pick one it'll be uh what you have to understand is your father was your role model for god if you're male and you christian this is from the book though if you're male and christian and living in america your father's your your model for god and if you never know your father or if your father bails on you or is never home then what does that make you believe about god and the whole thing about that i actually this is my second that's my backup no uh my favorite (laughs) My favorite tertiary object is the rubber glove that he wears because even the first time I watched that movie, I'm like, what is this going going on with that? Um, I like the ending in the book better. At the end, he shoots himself in the head. Everything goes white. He wakes up. He thinks he's in heaven, but he's not. He's in a mental institution, but he's like, you know what? That's fine. Project Mayhem fucking blew up all the credit card companies and everything is fine. I don't care. You find out nothing blew up because he's a moron and he's like i'll just be in this mental institution i'll get treatment everything will be fine and then he, they bring him food and he opens the food and it's like steak and potatoes and stuff and he's like what the fuck and he looks up and the the guy that brought him his food has a black guy he goes don't worry sir we're working to get you out of here and he's like god damn it i don't want to so come can't. out so I thought that was fun um my favorite my you told us to pick our fight Mm-hmm. The person I would like, to, if I had to fight somebody, it would be Joel Osteen. Nice. <laughs> um, and this is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in my top 20 of favorite movies of all time. So. Nice. All right, Carla, who's your fight? So it's a major yay. I major yay. I'll watch it right now. No okay. idea. Right. <laughs> favorite Nintendo character. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, who'd you fight? There's nobody you want to fight? Uh, okay. You want to beat up if you could beat I'm someone? not going to explain this at all because this is the Just first name the- that popped in my head. Judy Garland. Wow. wow. Damn. I have no idea. Right. Well, I, and I... No, no. Go with it. Well, I will say that in the, the trivia, it said that Marla based her... That Helena Bonham Carter based her character of Marla on reports of later in life Judy Garland because she was like an alcoholic. But And I don't know if that's why, but I just... As I'm watching it, and when he said Shatner, I'm like, who would I want to fight? Judy Garland. That's what popped in my head, so that's what I'm going to have to go I with. I like it. Go with that. All right, also, so Shatner, I think, would be fun in a fight. Let, let me preface this, this whole thing before I start uh-huh. that yep. this movie's not for Carly or Elaine. <laughs> the writer of this book said that there's all of these you know, books for women about how women feel and how women yeah. relate to each other. But there's not for guys. Like all action movies. He's like, but that's not about men's feelings. No. That's just a, you know, an action movie. This is a movie for men. How do men feel? How do we relate? This is what we're going I through. I get that. That's what this is for. So this movie isn't for you. It's for us. Mm-hmm. Specifically us in the 
you know, the early 90s. 2000s, the late 90s. That's how I feel like romance books. If you don't like it, it's not for you, and that's not what you're yeah. looking for. So, so I totally get this. people who don't like this, it wasn't for you. Like, like yeah. oh, this is uh, toxic masculinity. There's lots of stuff that's just not for so, like, me. Well, that's good, because this movie wasn't for you. That's why I made it. It's me not too. for me. Yeah, and I appreciate that you reckoned that Carly said, you know what, I see how people would like this. I'm not going to watch it. So that was, I'll take the maybe all day long. You know what else is not for me? The Guernsey Literary Which is not for me. The Jake Potato Peels? Chilling all potato peels. No, it's not for me either. But that, and that's how I feel about this movie is that this movie is was supposed to have spoken to me and Tony and people of our age, and it did because I love this movie and I'm gonna give it a yay. But let me tell you this first: my favorite character was also Tyler mm-hmm. with hair. My least favorite character is Tyler without hair. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, my favorite scene. I originally had put the Lou, was thinking Lou, mm-hmm. but someone stole that. Son of a bitch. So I'm going to go with specifically Bob trying to get into a fight and everybody running from him. <laughs> That's funny. Screaming and chasing some guy. <laughs> guys pedaling away. My favorite tertiary object is when Marla is talking to the narrator, there's a movie theater behind them. <laughs> In the movie theater, the movie playing is Seven Years in Tibet. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Which came out two years prior to this. It was a flop for Tom Cruise. I mean, for Brad Pitt. Pitt. I remember seeing that movie and liking it. I, I don't, saw it too, and I, I didn't don't hate it. know that that is still true. I feel like it's a movie Carly would like. All right, I've so never now my favorite line is kind of long. Do you want the long version or the short version? Just read the whole thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We got time. Okay. <laughs> man, I see Flight Club, the strongest and smartest men who ever lived. I see all this potential, and I see it squandering. God damn it. An entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars. Advertisers has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe one day we're going to be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. And we're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. The irony of that scene is that he's talking. He's looking at Jared Leto, who was a movie star and a rock god. Mm. Yes, that was in the truth. But that's my favorite line because at some point everybody thinks they're going to be something, and you have you wake up one day and you realize you're not going to be. Poor Jared Leto. You're not anything. They've turned on him. I know. I was like Jared Leto. I know. Jordan Catalano, man, he's my favorite character on that TV show. My so-called, so-called life. life. Yeah. Were you a big My So-Called Life? Fan? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Watched all eight episodes. I, I was shipping him and Claire Danes hardcore. Uh-huh. I did watch that, unfortunately. I did, and I don't. I'm not unfortunate about it because it was. I don't remember. Me. I always thought he was way too pretty for her. <laughs> I'm like, there's like, no way that guy. I like to be some Claire Danes. Because Claire Danes is a very pretty girl. Don't get me wrong; I don't find her unattractive, but he's a very pretty guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I date him. <laughs> like he's super pretty. He's too pretty for her. But anyway, highest of A's on this movie because when I was. When I first saw this in the theater, I was like, wow, this is my shit. And the two dudes I was with were like, yes, let's watch it again. I did not see this in the theater. I saw the I theater. I took all my friends. I was like, I read this book. You got to fucking watch this. And then about halfway through, I was like, actually, I don't know if they'll like this. I don't know. Because I, I forgot that it was just kind of a thing that I liked. Sometimes I do that. And the thing about this movie at the end is they leave it ambiguous. Did this actually happen? Well, what do you think? It's just, if you think that these things happened and Project Mayhem was a thing then you're fine with that. But if you get to the conclusion that this is all in his head because he never fought anybody but himself, so everything is all in his head, I'm fine with that too. Mm-hmm. It's whatever you want it to be. 
Carly. It's always whatever you want right. it to be. Well, please find us on Facebook.com slash the underappreciated movie podcast. You can email unmoviepodcast at gmail.com and tell us what you think about this movie. Most and people have an opinion one way or the other. Yeah. yeah. Watch the Taking Back Sunday video. It's fine. Okay. And tune in next week on the podcast for Tony's pick. My pick is 1986's Crocodile Dundee. You know what I think is funny? We did Roxanne. We did Splash. We did Mm -hmm. Roxanne. We did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. We did Fight Club. (laughs) And then Crocodile Dundee. (laughs) All very lighthearted movies. That's very different. (laughs) All very lighthearted. Oh, come on now. You're now shooting at your imaginary friend of 400 gallons of nitroglycerin. Very funny line. Sometimes you gotta mix it up, though. <laughs> and we all know that that old knee slapper I've been fucking that since grade school. Come on. I feel like sometimes a previous pick will will change your mind, and sometimes you're just like, fuck it, no, this is what I'm picking. This is next on my list. This is what I'm going with. <laughs> well, I wanted to do this movie for a while. It was gonna be a birthday pick until I saw it didn't make a lot of money. I was like, oh, I'm good. I don't know. Did you stop? No, I didn't because oh, I'm. He's still talking. I'm still talking. So no, it's not stopped. It's just quiet. It's just quiet. The name of the song is Who is Tyler Durden? Oh.